0: have a lamp that is lit, it is a jalta why do we all come here a so the lamp and we can light our I should be prepared.
1: Vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood! Never! I will fucking die! Fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage! Fuck these motherfuckers! jihad jihad all right folks this is going to be a exciting one and uh we have uh captain dan handley uh 911 pilots uh we'll um get into his details in a minute i don't want to uh keep him waiting he's already um itching to go in the in the green room for uh zoom so I'm gonna uh, set that right up. Just, uh, just a quick reminder, folks. Um, you know where to go: mccanndojo.com. Make sure the doc can uh, keep bringing you top quality content uh, like this. And let's participants admit. And uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get into uh, what I think is the ignition point of the bore that we find ourselves in today uh captain handley how are you sir hello kevin i'm doing great thanks for having me on uh you're more than welcome i've just got to do a little tidying up on the screen real quick but um it's a pleasure to have you on um i was just uh making small talk as as getting ready to get you on and um i was I was saying that I consider 9 eleven the ignition point for the war that we're in that's continuing to this day um, and i would I would put forward the premise that it's spread from the Middle East it's now in comp- it's global and they're using all kinds of next generation techniques to wage war against the global population and now i'm hoping um oh well could you could you introduce yourself because you have such a such a long uh curriculum vitae i'm not going to do it justice so
2: okay well i commenced flying i give you a little bit of information on my flying background i commenced flying over 50 years ago in 1968 at age 19, uh, first as a civilian. Uh, I got my private commercial instrument of all the engine rating uh, by 1970, and then entered a four-year uh, college uh, to get my uh, Bachelor of Science in math by age, uh, by I'm sorry, by uh, 1973. And at that time, the Vietnam War was still raging, so I had to make service plans to get drafted in the Army. and I chose Naval Aviation. So uh, I entered the Navy in 73 and got my uh, wings in 74. And over the next uh, 10 years, I flew the uh, P-3 Orion aircraft, which was used to track Soviet submarines uh, in the Cold War. In 1978, I got hired by United Airlines as a pilot. And over the course of the next 25 years, I flew seven airplanes. So uh, all total I flew, uh, 15 different aircraft, accumulating 20,000 flight hours over a
1: 35 year career. So that's pretty much sums it up. Uh, very impressive. Um, actually, it's uh, maybe you know a friend of mine or the father of a friend of mine. He flew P3 Orion's and also worked for United Airlines, was around during 9-11. His last name, it would have been Iafrati. Frank Iafrati. No, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. Uh, shame um so uh, uh, where to begin i mean that i've got many many questions uh the towers the pentagon um do you do you have a preference on where to start
2: well maybe maybe i should give you what i'm doing right now uh with regard to uh our grassroots effort sure uh hi uh I'm the uh, Director and Public Spokesperson for Global Grassroots effort called 9-11 Pilots Whistleblowers. And we've got a website at 911pilots.org and a YouTube channel at 911pilots. uh, and the purpose of our organization is to show that there were no muslim hijackers actually controlling the 9 11 aircraft but that they were electronically hijacked and remotely controlled through this system called the uninterruptible autopilot that enables a remote source to take complete control of the aircraft autopilot and flight management computer mm. and drive it to its target and once this system is engaged The pilots can't disconnect it anymore. They're along for the ride. So uh, the goal of our organization, well, for one, is to spread the word about our website, 911pods.org, but also uh, to recruit active and retired military and civilian pilots from around the world who will attest to the fact that not only could these hijackers not fly the flight profiles that day, but that they couldn't fly them themselves. that's it in a nutshell what I'm doing. I uh, presently live in Islamabad, Pakistan, and we've named that appropriately as the uh, headquarters for our organization. So,
1: Mm. So, um, I mean, I I, I could die. I've got so many questions to ask you. So, um, I mean, you you made the the statement that it would have been impossible for the hijackers to um, commandeer the plane. And I often wonder about the dynamics that would have taken place in the cockpit. So how, in your mind, how would that have gone down? Presumably they've forced the pilots out of the seats and and they think that they're taking control? Um, speculating, I try to stick to facts mainly, but I'll speculate
2: on my part, because I can't prove it, but I envision this scenario where they broke into the cockpit, maybe forced, like the uh, Pentagon pilots were forced to back the airplane, supposedly, but I don't know how they determined that, uh, but they could have slit their throats also and climbed in the seat. And uh, they never flew a uh, Boeing 757 or 767 before in their lives, which to me is bewildering that the official story claims that they did, we don't have any record that they had training in those airplanes. So uh, I don't know if they would know how to engage in autopilot, but if you do a comparative analysis between the cockpit of a Cessna 172, which was their primary training aircraft, uh, with that of a Boeing 757 or 767, you'll see this vast difference and instrumentation the number of switches knobs and dials up there right. so how, how they were able to interpret that and then navigate the airplane and get it to descend and do what it did so the whole scenario seems impossible
1: so um, just in case that the pilots were alive in this instance would they have known that the that the system that you're describing would have been engaged if they could no. see it. No, no I,
2: I was still employed at United on 9 11. I was flying Boeing 777s, but I also flew 757s and 767s, which were the airplanes used on 9 11. And they were, I mean, to this day, when I talk to pilots about the system, they said, no, I, no way. No way does that. But we proved to them that it does exist and it was developed and produced prior to 9 11.
1: So they wouldn't have had any way of knowing that that system was on the airplane. So um, it 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 was a uh, in in your framework, it would have required retrofitting the planes that were involved on nine eleven with the guidance system. And, and that's yeah, that's correct. Right. So uh, a lot of a lot of fore planning that that went into it, and you know, there's uh, there's the claim that they with respect to the towers that they were able to navigate by it was a clear day and so they could see the target from the cockpit with respect to the towers do do you buy that in any way
2: well they both took off out of boston and i flown boston new york and i'm not sure that they would be able to see the towers from after they took off when they hijacked the airplane. I mean, you could argue, Hey, if you fly a little bit South, you can pick up the Hudson river and fly on down into New York. So yeah, but then it goes back to how would they never? how would they even know how to fly this airplane? Mm -hmm. You know, people, I think people are a little bit confused and talking uh, amongst other guys in this group. Uh, we've agreed that we believe that the reason so many people fell for this story that these pilots flew the airplane is because they're not
1: pilots and they can't conceive of the absurdity of the notion that they did. Mm. So, um, I mean, maybe just break down for us a little bit. Um, once, once, uh, Once the planes reached cruising altitude, which I presume that was the case as the hijacking took place, how yeah. much, how much sort of moment to moment control is required for a plane like that to, um, yeah, like I say, you described complex maneuvers. I want, I want to just stick with the towers right now because it seems a easier um, set of aerodynamics to try to visualize. So just as a, in the normal conditions, how much pilot control is required moment to moment to guide that plane um to its target? You mean from
2: takeoff to target?
1: Yeah, so once it's at cruising altitude and okay. uh, um so, so as a uh as should we say a thought exercise, um the pilots themselves wanted to hit the twin towers. How much how much moment to moment control is required but surfaces thrust um checking well bends. they'd have
2: to know which they probably did uh go to idle thrust on the engines for their descent mm. uh or they could leave some power up but normally you go idle thrust and uh, push the nose over and that'll get you descent uh, mm. But then again you're talking about guys that flew this uh 27 foot long one ton aircraft that uh normally cruises at 100 knots, a 172 versus a 100-ton airplane uh, capable of producing 48,000. The airplane differences are profound, and so are the uh, control uh, loading on the airplane. I mean, imagine flying, I mean, driving your family car compared to uh, semi-tractor trailer that's about the difference as far as the control fields go, but I believe that if they got in the seat They could have started a descent mm. It's just that the uh, Feel of the airplane they would have never had before
1: mm. so the, the system what was the name of the system that you called it? Uninterruptible autopilot. Yeah, so the uninterrupted autopilot that they sit in in the seat and they're under the illusion that they the controls that they're moving are are
2: well we don't know at what point in time they engaged in the uh uninterrupted autopilot was engaged mm. so yeah, and another thing uh I don't know what they believe their mission was. I don't believe they believed they were gonna hit buildings right uh, but i'm again i'm speculating on that but i've always imagined that they thought somehow they were going to get this thing on the ground and have a normal hijacking when all of a sudden the airplane takes off on them and does and they can't control it mm-hmm. so i we don't we don't know we'll, we never got the cockpit voice recorders or the uh, flight data recorders and uh, we'll never know what
1: what the scenario was in that regard mm-hmm so i I guess my next question is and this is something that i've heard a lot of claims about that the speed at which the plane was flying with respect to what what was essentially a low altitude right for right uh, um my understanding is is that it the speed was beyond the normal operating envelope that's correct Uh... uh it exceeded the max operating speed at sea level of those aircraft but about
2: 120 to 140 knots and i i get criticized i go give me a break the airplanes would have come apart you know well i'm not a aircraft structural engineer so i can't i can't go with that and the other thought is those speeds came from the fa and the national transportation safety board and my total lack of trust in the u.s government or anything they put out <laughs> regarding 911s. there so i don't know I can't confirm what speed they were at. But yeah, there are a lot of people that say that and others say,
1: no, the airplanes would have stayed together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's one of those, uh, I, I guess, it's, surely, surely, they would be able to calculate the speed relative to buildings that there's enough videotape, right? That you could, uh, you yeah, can... videotape, you say? Yeah that you could take it you, you you must be able to sort of frame by frame relative to buildings that are in the in the shot, be able to make some rough estimate of the uh, the speed with which they they came into the well
2: the... Yeah, but we have to go with the government scenario on
1: this and uh, they've got everything else wrong. I don't know if these speeds were accurate or not. Mm-hmm. and. So so aerodynamically, the the, the approach to New York was um, far, far simpler than the third impact on the Pentagon, right? That's correct. You want me to describe the Pentagon profile? Or you uh, want to stay with the tires? Well, I think we can sort of... Hand, handle both, right? So that the the the, okay. ta- <laughs> the, ta- yeah. the, t- the towers was essentially what what seems like a straight line vector. I mean, yeah, I don't.
2: Kevin, the tires are only two hundred eight feet wide, and you'll think, well, that's big. Well, the wingspan of those aircrafts is about one hundred fifty feet, mm-hmm. and they hit them dead on both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. And, and when you look at the narrow target they had and their closure rate on the building. We describe it akin to uh, being able to drive the family car and never having driven a semi-tractor trailer before and hop into it, get it up to a real high speed and try to drive it to a garage without scraping the sides of the truck. Right. That's how accurate it would have to be. But if, talking, comparing that to the uh, Pentagon profile, American Flight 77 took off from Washington Dallas Heading towards LA, and it got to Cruise L2 for a while, and then in about phase, uh, 180 turn back to to Washington and started uh descent. And according to some, there was some erratic movement of the aircraft as it initially started the descent. I don't know how they determined that, but uh, uh, once it got to 7,000 feet, the airplane commences this descending and accelerating 330 degree screw turn to arrive precisely at the surface without skidding it at over 500 knots to precisely hit the Office of Naval Intelligence and Pentagon at that speed on his first attempt. Yeah, it's- Let me, let me say, Kevin, that that, air, that profile was replicated in a simulator and flown. Uh, there, there's another grassroots group called Pilots for 911 Truth. They did this test and they put highly experienced pilots in the seat of a 757 simulator and re- replicated that maneuver, Adam replicate that maneuver and they couldn't do it without crashing. The difficult part would be getting down just a few feet above the surface. And why did they have to do that? Because the Pentagon's only 71 feet tall. So mm. they were skimming the grass and he didn't skid, didn't skid the aircraft at all, which would have caused it to
1: crash. And did it on his first attempt. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's mind warping the w- when you try to think about what what did occur on that day and, and the, um, the most frustrating part is that for all the reels of footage that we got from New York, the, the absence of evidence around the Pentagon is, is Wow. Disturbing. Well, it's one of the most secure
2: buildings in the world and it's got I think like 80 cameras around it it had okay mm. and the FBI came in right after the accident and uh, secured all those cameras took control of them not only did they take control of those but there was a camera in a Virginia highway patrol car they went over and figured he captured the event and they took that they took a a camera off the double tree hotel and another one off a citco gas station so they and then later people were demanding to see it they released a a few frames of uh, the aircraft approaching the pentagon that's about all you could get it was traveling at such a high speed uh and they said there see there was an airplane there so there's people studying this stuff all over the world actually so 20 years later 9/11 9/11 truth isn't dead, you know that you said COVID's like uh, 9/11 on steroids, uh, but people are still researching 9/11 because oh, yes. they believe it was a catalyst that drove us into this police state we're living in right now.
1: Uh, absolutely, I see. I, I see a, um, a a very disturbing thread between the events of 9/11 and where we find ourselves today, and. You know just to I, I i don't want to step away from the um the aeronautical discussion but with within within this um within this discussion we have to we have to remember at at, at that time there was um the anthrax attacks right and exactly those those anthrax attacks were um the, the, an actual weaponized form of anthrax that was traced back to uh, usamrid and merifrax um, as a highly um, processed form of anthrax. And, and so there was, there were multiple indicators back then, even before like the internet had a, you know, managed to sort of aggregate disparate investigators but there was there were a lot of indicators that there were um dark dark hands manipulating events on the ground and you know we're we're still we're still dealing with them unfortunately and um that it's why it's such a pleasure to speak to someone like yourself who um you know really really was there from the beginning and can add this um uh, import, these important technical detail, details, because I do think that's what's missing a lot of the time. Um, right. And I'm sure that you must have had your fair share of people who've obviously claimed there were no planes. Right. Um the, the, the they were kind of cruel in their critique
2: of uh, my presentation because they say you tell me there's no uh we're no airplanes or so they say you idiot it was a cruise missile it's a pentagon so uh, I'm always getting criticized but I want to point out that our group isn't dispelling that argument or Uh, We're not debating it in any way, either one of them, because all we're saying is the hijackers couldn't have flown the airplane due to lack of experience, but the uninterrupted autopilot could. So, and if you say, hey, it was a cruise missile that hit the Pentagon, well, fine. Then what happened to the passengers on board? What happened to American 77? Okay, well, you could say, well, it's remotely guided somewhere else, but we don't have any way of proving that either. And we, we just try to stick to facts. Mm. We feel we don't have to go any further than to prove that the hijackers couldn't have flown the airplanes in the uninterrupted autopilot code. So, mm. Mm. Um,
1: yeah, and it, it's it's all to um, point people to this deep these deep state actors that were prepared to make well ground shaking uh, moves on on the population. Not and at that time. It was the american people who were i i think it's fair to say assaulted with um legislation that emerged in the days to weeks afterwards with the patriot act and as as we mentioned at the beginning it's it's more often mutated into um the biopatriot act right now and you know the um the link with anthrax, it points to um, the, the premeditated use of bio warfare to to achieve their aims. And um, I don't know, I, I, I'll ask the question, if you had to point a finger at the at, at, at these entities, who who would you start with? okay i get to ask this question all the time mm. and i can only
2: guess from my reading and my uh knowledge of uh, limited knowledge it, it depends upon your worldview. you know if you believe there's 193 independent countries here sovereign and have their own government uh that's fine but i believe there's a much bigger power than that that's controlling it all and you can start with the bloodline families you can go to the committee of 300 mm. the rothschilds Council on Foreign Relations, the World Economic Forum, the Bilderberg. okay. Mm -hmm. But you look at the central banking system, the stranglehold Rothschild has on that, Mm -hmm. and the control they have on these governments. I think they ordered the hit. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, for years, I don't think this was planned in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. I believe it was planned for years. And uh, who actually planned and executed the hit I believe, were Zionist members of the government of Israel, the United States, the UK, and others that actually sat down and figured out how they were going to do this.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I always say that, uh, well, key bono out of the, the events of 9-11, and it was, uh, well, Israel managed to achieve over the years significant strategic Progress in, with respect to their position. The the countries that surrounded them were um, militarily destroyed, and the uh, the well, you could you could argue it's still ongoing. Um, exactly. Uh,
2: well, again, you got to go back in history. Let me let me go back to your first point when we were talking. To you. I firmly believe that the true test of the American people's gullibility, as well as the global population, was the Kennedy assassination. We weren't in the computer age. There wasn't this interchange of information right now. Mm-hmm. But that was followed by the Oklahoma City bombing, mm-hmm. which you may or not, may not recall- uh, Oh, I recall. Cool. That they blamed on two two people, and I've read a, a lengthy, lengthy discussion on that, and I believe that was a false flag event. And then you have uh, 9-11 and now now you have COVID, and they pulled the wool over our eyes for a while, but now we know better, yes. or a lot of people's eyes, and uh, I think that's what happened. But uh, I forgot the other topic where you were talking about Israel's control on the United States.
1: Uh, Well, I think, I think that sort of goes uh, as a given. It, it, it's the fact that um, Israel, I, I, I look at it this way, currently Israel has air superiority over you know in a thousand kilometer radius around the uh, around its country and every country within that um radius has now well it's either subject to continued strikes with respect to syria or we've seen the uh the the accords that have brought in arab countries to normalize relationships with with israel right and you know maybe maybe at a big picture level maybe maybe that's progress um
2: well i i don't agree with the carnage that occurred that's that's the way they had to go about doing it Mm. but that was a quick way of doing it because uh you got to go back to the history of israel and the but the Balfour Balfour agreement and the uh, Rothschild's uh, involvement in the establishment Mm. of the nation state of Israel. And then you jump ahead. Well, actually, let me digress. You go back to the late 1800s. There was a guy named Theodore Herzl Mm. who founded the Zionist movement. And people say, hey, you're criticizing Zionists. You're an anti-Semite. Well, Mm. Zionism is not doesn't really have to do with Jews. It's a political ideology Mm. that claims Israel is entitled to all land from the uh, Euphrates to the Nile River. Mm. And uh, that's part of what's called the Greater Israel Project. And I'll point out, if you don't know about the Greater Israel Project, there's a great global research article that's entitled Greater Israel, the Zionist plan for the Middle East, Mm. that goes into great detail explaining all this. And it all makes sense when you look at it from that perspective. What happened post 9/11, as far as them going in and destabilizing or toppling countries mm. in the Middle East to further their Greater Israel plan, mm. and they had the full backing of their puppet government, the United States, because of APAC, the ADL, Benyovitz, and all those mm. organizations that control every level and branch of the U.S. government, including the media.
1: Yes, and you know this is this is something that's become um, well, that the the veil uh, is, has become very thin with respect to how much organizations uh, in the U.S. that a priori we would think are geared towards a free speech paradigm um, are controlled by um, pressure groups. Now, before I um, delve into some of the history I would, like what we've seen recently i don't know if you've kept abreast of the twitter files have you heard about this yeah, regarding what so uh it, it's about censorship coordinated censorship via state apparatus through the quote-unquote social media and right. and this has been definitively de- it, it, it's not a. it's not a vague h- hypothesis that can be dismissed as conspiracy theory we've seen it bear its teeth in the last three years and you know lo- love him or hate him um elon musk buying twitter has been able to show definitively that many many groups um scientists like myself who were trying to speak out from the beginning were actively censored across these platforms now i would put forward the premise that that structure its roots come from 911 and it comes from well you can like I say you can mention groups like the ADL who were able to Position themselves in—I don't know—like a public-private partnership to control narrative. And con- right. And- well,
2: I, I believe that the mainstream media worldwide has a stranglehold on people's mind, and uh, you got to go back. And I believe that's a major problem. Particularly, I, I see the passive. Apathetic. I call them the sheep in the U.S. and other places that uh, sit back, scratch their head, and can't figure out what goes on. So they go back to watching CNN or Fox. And uh, if you go back to 1983, there were 50 independent media conglomerate. I mean, uh, independent news outlets in the United States. And today, there's only six major conglomerates that control 96% of the news you see, read, or hear. Mm. And if you look at the management structure on those uh, those companies, those six conglomerates, uh, is dripping with Zionists. Mm. And you go back in 19, you say, "Oh, you're making this up." Well, look at it yourself, and go back to that same year, 1983. Israel launched something called the Hesbara project, and their intent was to gain control of the media to garner public support for the support of Israel and to cast it in a favorable light. So mm-hmm. most people think, oh, Israel's a trusted ally of ours in the Middle East, and they go on believing that. I have a son that's that way. He calls me and I said everything else because I criticize Israel. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, look at AIPAC, look at the ADL, look at Benigni, look at all these organizations out there. And you, you look at, well look at the whole u.s government Mm. and look at apac they they are afraid to even utter they call it the lobby congressmen do Mm. and you know netanyahu comes over be before them several years ago gets 26 standing ovations and 45-minute speech he gives okay Mm. and they've all signed according to cynthia mckinney a congresswoman an oath of allegiance to israel yep so they've got a stranglehold on the Congress. They've got a stranglehold on the media, and the uh, unwary American public sit there scratching their head. So
1: yeah, and the, you know the the black-pilled conclusion from the the, the events around nine eleven, the um, what we can see as the highly coordinated narrative control and um censorship and the like like you say the um the Hasbro project and the you know <laughs> talpia uh program for war on consciousness and um we're uh, we're in this next generation hybrid warfare and you know the chinese call it unrestricted warfare and um we're, um, as members of the public, we're being dragged along. And um, well, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that, and, and we know this, that they've taken programs that were used and developed in the 20 years post 9-11, which were geared towards biometric identification, used in the, used in the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan, the use of, um, quasi private military organizations for, um, interactive internet activities for psychological profiling and targeting of, um, well, just, but psychological operations to control groups <laughs> and, and specific <laughs> people. And you had enough? We we are everyone is subject to those programs which which were a direct consequence of nine eleven. And and will lead to families. Your son calling you an anti Semite. Right. And Well, you look at what nine
2: eleven did to my family because I was terminated in two thousand three for speaking out. Mm-hmm. And my two kids who are now adults blame me for the divorce still believe the official 9-11 story think i'm a whacked out conspiracy freak and don't talk to me it's my my personal biggest loss since 9-11 was the Mm. the loss of my two kids you know they i can't even well they don't talk to me but when my son was talking to me a while i couldn't even bring the topic up to defend myself i've written a book a memoir about what happened to me and everything else, but I don't think they'll ever read it. So Mm. I wrote it specifically for them saying, hey, read this, you'll see what actually happened from 2001 to three and afterwards and why I am where I am today, so.
1: it's tragic, Uh, yeah, condolences. Thank Uh, you. So, I mean, you your pilot your professional experience is um as uh, as good as it can get and how how difficult was it for you to raise this this topic publicly that that it was physically impossible for for, for Arabs with box cutters to to take control of those planes how how, what was the initial reception like
2: well let me go back 2001 2003 I was actually attacking the uh aviation security system because there were so many holes in it, and they couldn't have me out on the line talking about They pulled me out of schedule but uh uh, that was my initial something's wrong with this picture you know and then you can look at the trade center coming down in 11 seconds there World Trade Center Building 7, which for me occurred much later, you know, people analyzing that. But uh, Mm -hmm. really the thing that caught my eye was, number one, where did these guys train to fly these airplanes? What country were they in? And then when I was told that they flew mainly Cessna 172s, that's how I started. I flew those little airplanes, and I flew the 757, 767. So I can compare the two. And... That's what most people can't do. They can't see the absurdity of the official story.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there, there is just so many absurdities on that day. I, I mean, I don't know how comfortable you are speaking about the the physics of the collapse. I mean, I find that a fascinating, fascinating area to dive into, but. Um, do you, do you want to go there or? Um... Well,
2: I can just mention the tires. I said they collapsed in their own footprint mm. in less than 11 seconds and near the free fall acceleration due to gravity mm. without resistance. And if you look at the structure of the building, that's absurd all by itself. And all this concrete and steel was dustified somehow. Mm. And it should have uh, created a debris pile about 30 stories tall, and it was only three. So. What, there's a woman named Judy Wood, and I don't yes, know. I don't, I'm
1: familiar with uh, her. She
2: wrote a, a book called "Where Do the Towers Go," and she claimed it was directed energy weapons. But uh, a lot of people in the Truth Movement say no. I mean, architects and engineers for 9/11 Truth say no. That that could be possible. But I'm still mystified by the fact that this building turned to dust.
1: Yeah, it's a. Um very, very strange phenomenon. And, you know, there's Judy Wood has put a lot of information forward. And yeah, um, but there are there are two two pieces of data as a scientist. I deal with measurement and she um, she in her investigations found two when you're dealing with instrumentation. Mm -hmm. Right. She found two pieces of independent evidence which lined up that are, that in my mind is very difficult to um, to explain just just from my understanding of physics. The first is that the seismic signals were missing right. and and she was um she does a good job of showing that you can detect things like building collapses and um the uh i forget the name of the building something dome and uh king king dome anyway uh-huh. it it was like a ten story building but sports arena which they uh-huh which they demolished and you know she can she can show that there are specific um waves that you pick up with um seismic meters and um those signals are missing on 911 now again i i'm as a scientist i i can't go much beyond that in terms of Trying to explain the physics of of that day, where where were where were this where were the signs of all that metal and all that concrete hitting the ground, and the the seismic data seems to show that it's not there, or it's it's minuscule compared to what we would expect.
2: But Kevin, the buildings were dust on the way down. There wouldn't be that much of a seismic impact. There wasn't hardly anything left by the time they got down to three stories tall. Mm. So
1: I don't, I don't know. I mean, that dust
2: was thrown out like six hundred feet, mm. uh, and I'm, I'm still bewildered by that part of it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I am too. Look, I, I'm, I think there's very good evidence that there was um, potentially explosives planted in the building as well. You have to look mm-hmm. at the Israeli art students. I think that's a very important thread in the 9/11 investigation um all, all all of these how would you say threads of evidence um point to point to something strange um happening on that day and well,
2: <clears throat> i mean do most of your are then most of your guests familiar with nanothermite and that whole argument yes. about what happened okay there i won't get into that but uh You know, they did collect dust samples from all three building sites, and they were able to determine it was, in fact, nanothermite. As a matter of fact, Niels Herrod, a 42-year retired chemistry professor from the University of Copenhagen, had these results and did a scientific analysis using the scientific method, which you're very familiar with, right? And he wrote a, a, a paper on it that has gone uncontested. For all these j yeah, he wrote it and I think in two
1: thousand nine two thousand ten and it proved that nanothermite was there mm. so, yeah i mean there's uh, a all, all all manner of um again threads of evidence that point to point to something bigger than just a hijacking right right right, and um the well, the the use of the automatic uh, autopilot is just uh, it, it's one of the first series of steps that were taken on that day. And, you know, there's we know that they were having drills and exercises that day. That's that's not a contested fact. They have the recordings, right? Um, uh-huh. but, but maybe as a pilot, that's something that you can um I'd, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on that with what were they seeing on displays how 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 much would they have communicating with civilian versus military um
2: well my i was working with a guy named robin Horton, which was it who was an air traffic controller and he was talking about why and how the pentagon stood down and i can't regurgitate what he has told me but uh I do know from my time in the military working with uh, uh, electronic uh, warfare that you can inject targets into uh, a radar screen, mm-hmm. or you can remove them, or you can jam communications, things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, purely speculative on my part, again, uh, I, I don't know enough detail about the air traffic control into this thing to make a, a,
1: a comment. So uh I I know you'd be speculating again, but the 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 drill that was taking place, the uh, the fake drill that was I, I presume military and NORAD, right? That's the right. that's the primary systems. Um I, I guess Again, who who do you think would have the ability to tap into those systems in such a sophisticated... And it's the timing, right? That, right. That they would have to have split-second um, capabilities to be able to spoof.
2: Right, and...
1: right. Well,
2: this one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I have a longtime friend, Phil McConnell, who actually introduced me on the Autopilot, but that's an aside, that was in 2007, but uh, he claims that the, uh, what, the NORAD encryption keys were handed over to Canada, which gave them control of NORAD during this whole thing, so I I don't know the details of that, other than I remember him telling me that years ago that somehow Canada was involved. Cause You'll, you'll agree with me that most Western countries were either involved or knew about it. And they uh, remain um, silent today.
1: Yeah, it would, it would appear so. And, um, you know, the it's disturbing that the lockstep that we've seen in the past three years mi- in terms of countries mirrors what you saw 20 years ago, more than 20 years now getting humbled um it mirrors what we saw back then and you know as i mentioned earlier it you know the i think the genesis of them being able to engage in this fifth generation type warfare information warfare directed at, at the at the public that was really when it started to um, flourish, and of and of course the internet was a um, a big a big part of that. But um, I, I, if you if you had to point to a narrative that was most damaging to your trying to bring information forward, which one which one or group?
2: Well, I wasn't pointing
1: fingers
2: at groups. Are uh, you talking about back
1: when I was still a pilot? Well, before I, I got terminated. As you as you sort of progressed your journey into trying to explain 9-11, there's a whole ecosystem of 9-11 um, I don't know, investigators, truthers, I guess, was the term that was used, right? which which group gave you the most resistance in terms of uh trying to bring your information forward and saying no that can't be true it was um you know and I- well
2: whatever there were two things going on after
1: 9-11 uh one
2: of them i almost immediately tried to expose what happened to me medically mm. uh, with the FAA, uh, Department of Transportation, Homeland Security, and the Department of Justice saying, hey, this is an age-old process of ridding unwanted pilots from the ranks, and uh, all all three of those. I mean, I went to everybody, Attorney General, FBI. Uh, so that's one thing I was trying to expose. But the other thing, I'll try to make this brief. After 9-11, United Airlines filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, about in 2002 i believe it was and in 2003 they terminated a 10 billion dollar pension fund now let me jump ahead to 2006 a chicago millionaire approaches me and says hey my metals company was stolen from me in bankruptcy the same way your pension was and the presiding judge in both accounts was a judge named eugene r he's a federal chief federal bankruptcy judge in chicago because then he says to me We've got all the goods on him. We've got a mob informant. We know he maintains a $40 million bribery fund, LaSalle Bank in Chicago. He gave me on and on all this information that they had on he controlled uh, three other federal and six state court judges. So concurrent with what I was doing with my own personal issue, I felt that they were tied together and that the same powerful forces that sent united airlines into bankruptcy and enabled them to terminate that pension were working i believed it was partially the mafia and uh i knew when i stepped out with this guy because i i went really visible because he told me look if uh, you go visible you got to stay as much visible as you can or they'll kill you mm-hmm. and even if you do they might kill you anyhow so mm-hmm. i went very visible i was up in washington kicking down doors and uh I even filed a federal complaint with Chicago FBI. Here, here's how far I got. I, went, I lived in Atlanta at the time, and I flew to Chicago, rented a car, and drove down to the FBI office in the city. And I had a 164-meg hard drive with everything on it. And I went in the building. Well, they made me give up the hard drive, and every, all my personal belongings they put in a locker outside, right? So I go into this office, uh, I mean, in this little room with a glass partition mm. and uh, uh, i waited about five minutes this female fbi agent came in and sat down and says what do you have and i began telling her this whole story and i uh, i said look i got 160 i got this hard drive out there they told me you'd retrieve if i needed it mm. and he goes she goes no we're not going to retrieve it i said really and she goes yeah and i said uh, well, can I speak to somebody in the white collar criminal division? She goes, No. And I says, Can I speak to the special agent in charge, Robert Grant? She goes, No. And she goes, Look, Mr. Hanley, we've received all your letters and what you claim to have as evidence. We're gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you that the Department of Justice isn't gonna investigate your claims. This conversation's over. And she got them and walked out her side of the room and I'm sitting there with my jaw on the ground going, why did i risk coming up here saying what i did in this very dangerous city and that's when i said i'm not going to get anywhere with what i'm trying to do this six-year period from 2006 to 12 because i had such exposure at high levels to the federal government i mean senators and assistant attorney generals writing me etc and what i saw the whole government was shut down shut down. Mm. Uh, that's when I totally lost all faith and confidence in uh, the US government from that experience. So when you said what particular agent agency, to me, it was all of them.
1: Mm. Right. So like a, a full spectrum uh, <laughs> uh, closure of uh, of your, your evidence and um, led Ten billion dollar
2: pension fund was the largest pension default in history of the world. Mm. Okay, it impacted a hundred thousand employees, and I felt because of what I knew, I had a moral obligation for a hundred thousand United employees to share it. And I went to all the unions at United; none of them would touch it. And I went to countless media outlets; none of them would touch the story. Mm.
1: Do you so, do you have an example of the hardware? That would make up this um automated uh autopilot
2: well i don't have that depth of knowledge of this system other than no i know how it uplinks information in the flight management computer okay mm. not specifically but it's either satellite or a ground station etc but uh on our website 911 pilotorg there's a drop down menu for articles And if you go to the bottom of it, it says MH370 from Malaysia Air 370, that airplane that disappeared out over the Indian Ocean several years ago. Mm. And it's a 66 page document that goes into great detail about the evolution of automated uh, uh, remote control airplanes. And it has diagrams and uh, details there if you want to go. But I I can't, Talking intelligently at an in-depth level regarding that system because I don't know.
1: So I guess my question is: um, it, it was. It's inherent to any of those Boeing planes that they could hijack the flight computer in that manner, or you know, do they have to put a different uh, I guess receiver transponder? in it to be able to um... no, it
2: uses it uses the existing system it's backdoor, and it's a microchip and a very impo- hard difficult to detect and uh, it has its own power source so you, if they uh, let me explain there's four ways of disengaging an autopilot turn the switch off that you engage it with or apply there's a little button on the yoke or the steering wheel you can press and that'll disengage it or you apply a 70 pound force or greater on the controls or pull the safe circuit breaker on the system Well, if you could there's a an avionics technician that did an excellent uh, interview uh, uh it's on our website and uh, he saw the system operating on a bench test of an autopilot in the hangar okay and they pulled every circuit breaker on the plane and they couldn't disconnect it it's got its own power source so that's why we say, it can't be disconnected. They're along for the ride. They are. Mm -hmm. But uh, let let me say, several years ago, I used to have the article, but I don't anymore. Uh, It was about Lufthansa taking receipt of uh, jets that they had purchased. And they were doing a parts inventory uh, evaluation to make sure that they had everything that they had paid for. And they somehow ran across the system contacted Boeing, they go, oh, yeah, that's our anti-hijacking device. So mm. uh, they said, get them out of the airplane. We don't want somebody having control over our aircraft. So, And I believe they've created a similar system for Airbus products as well. So mm. there's a, that pe- pe- if people still doubt that the system exists, if you just Google uninterruptible autopilot, you'll get the first thing that shows up at the top of the page is Boeing Honeywell and interrupt autopilot. And it's a, not that long an article, but one of the things they say is it was patented in 2006. Well, that would lead one to believe oh, this wasn't developed until after 9/11, and the stated purpose is to prevent would be hijacking room, common air and commercial jet aircraft in flight. So, mm. but that's why on our website, so we go at great lengths to say, "No,
1: we have proof that this system was developed prior to 9/11." So, mm. well, I'm uh, I'm looking at Google right now. I get very, very few um, hits actually, and that this is this is something that's emerged uh, recently. So, I found the Boeing Honeywell. Uh, I just want to go down and see how many. Where's the number of hits? It does say ninety-two thousand, but I just I just wonder they're curating results now. Um, the Wikipedia. Can I bring that up? I'll share my screen with you. And...
2: Okay,
1: sure, so bring up Wikipedia. You mean the yeah, CIA involvement with that, uh, that site or not? Um, I I'm just I I'm interested in the 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 technical um requirements and the hardware that would be required to um did <laughs> it so you can see the screen right yeah yes yeah, yes I can right um if you go down
2: that and look at some of those articles, they're trying to debunk the whole uh, issue that we're addressing here that
1: it was used on nine eleven. so, uh, Which one would you, uh, recommend? I, I don't know. It's been a
2: while since I've looked at them, but I've looked at them before and I go, uh, let's look, well, let's at this,
1: this. So, a yeah. uh, system designed to take control of commercial, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, very short. Yeah. Um, Conspiracy theorists have claimed the technology has been secretly fitted to some commercial airliners, including historian Norman Davies. Um, do you know him? Are you familiar yeah. with him? No, I'm not. Uh, according to Bob Mann, an airline industry consultant, adding. Evidence of the Boeing uninterruptible autopilot system being installed on a commercial airline pilot has not been publicized, and is not proven to exist. Yeah, yeah I, right. uh, <laughs> I just think I just think in this day and age that um, we uh, we have to be skeptical of right. uh, any any of the official narratives that are put forward. So in, in, in uh, at a basic level how is the aircraft guided gps
2: uh i believe it's irs inertial reference
1: system could, could you i'm not sure I mean, what that is maybe,
2: well, it, <laughs> it explains that i mean it describes acceleration rates uh of the aircraft and it's able to uh, compute, uh the position of the aircraft It's sorry, it's like GPS, but not as accurate. I don't believe, but, uh, I could go into more detail. There's a guy named Aiden Monahan who I interviewed that, uh, did extensive research on what enhancements were made to navigation systems that these aircraft would rely upon coming into nine eleven. Mm-hmm. there's an, uh, if you go to the articles page and look at Monahan, and it's
1: what, it's a paper he wrote on it uh so um how do you spell his name m-o-n-a-g-h-a-n m-o-n-a-g-h-a-n and aiden uh nothing <laughs> not on google yeah. computer says no <laughs> Let's try uh, Duck Duck Go, just just as. Uh...
2: I don't I don't want to miss one important point on. Mm. That we talked about the profile at the Pentagon, which I was going much further than that, but I I can't help but do it given that uh, is that him. I don't yeah, know so, so like, actually, he...
1: you know, this is this is a perfect example of active active measures used for narrative control i i just used the exact same terms in google we got we got nothing except i think uh like a clip to a movie and change search engine there's uh
2: look at that top article because that's uh where i interviewed him. uh that's a youtube interview by captain dan hanley uh yeah that's a, I've never seen the guy before, because he blanks to scream when he talks on uh, Skype or Zoom, even during the interview he had it blank. So he's a great guy. Uh, but I befriended him and another author, 9-11 investigator named Mark Gaffney, and that's what I'd like to briefly touch on here, because I talked about how the Pentagon profile was replicated in a simulator. Well, let me go a step farther. Uh, this guy, Mark Gaffney, wrote a global research article in 2009 that I stumbled across that uh, the, the title of it was, How the 9-11 Commission and FBI Suppressed Crit- Critical Evidence in the Case of Hani Hanjour and United Airlines, I mean, American Airlines 77, right? So I started looking into this article and it talked about what a poor student he was, which I, we also have on the website. Okay, but it talks about uh, he, one month prior to 9-11, Honey, shows up at the freeway airport in Maryland and wants to run a Cessna 172. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't show up out of the clear and expect a fixed-base operator wrenching an airplane. So I know you got to go up on an evaluation flight. Well, he didn't just go up on one. He went up on three, (laughs) he went up on three, flights with two instructors, a guy named uh, Ben Connor and a girl named Sherry Baxter. And they went back to the chief flight instructor whose name is Marcel Bernard and said, Marcel, this guy can't fly. Don't run him with Cessna 172. So this is the guy that supposedly performed that miraculous aerial feat. They won't really run uh, 172 to, uh, but it gets better supposedly Hani honger goes down the road three days later to congressional air charter and is going to rent. uh i mean he's going to go he went flying with uh, an instructor named uh, eddie Shalev, which isn't an irish name but anyhow he went flying with eddie and eddie supposedly said he was a good pilot now you got three pilots saying he's bad you got the Eddie Shalev saying he was a good pilot. What appears in the 9/11 Commission final report that he was a good pilot and appeared just as a an end note and mentions Eddie Shalev just one time. So they totally disregarded the. Uh, I'm just groping for a word here. Though the uh, testimony of these three pilots at Freeway Airport, and you go down the article a little bit further. And you find out that Eddie Schlev was an Israeli that served in the Israeli Defense Force and uh, has disappeared out of sight. And Congressional Air Charter, short, shortly after 9/11, closed their doors. So uh, hmm. I don't know who Eddie schlev was, but that's that's what we're attacking. Our group is attacking the FBI on that they suppress this critical evidence that shows uh, Eddie, uh, honey hinder couldn't fly. Can you bring up uh, 911pilot.org? Uh,
1: yeah.
2: Because um, I just want to show you where these articles are located if you want to go to the website.
1: And how how much uh, interaction do you have with architects and engineers? for 9-11? Not so much them as
2: the lawyers committee that I can talk about. Can you go to the top where it says articles Sure. to drop down menu okay there it says uh monahan and gaffney okay yeah those are two important articles to read and the other one you go down to mh370 that's a 66 page uh document that uh the other ones are hanley is me i got a global research well actually it appeared in four different sites that says were the 9-11 aircraft electronically hijacked. That's the name of the article. So uh, those are. I just wanted to point out that uh, drop down menu. But getting back to your question, uh, originally three years ago, three plus years ago, I was talking to a group called Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. And our intent was to interview pilots, let them vet them, and then get them before a grand jury by taking all of our information and evidence to a U.S. attorney, Mm -hmm. but they got too busy and couldn't deal with it. So I went the political route going to the FAA, FBI, all the way up the chain to the president with our contention that they were electronically hijacked. Mm -hmm. And knowing I would get nowhere, which I did, Uh, if you go back to menu there to the left, uh, yeah, if you go down to letters, down towards the bottom, U.S. Letters. Uh,
0: letters.
2: See all those? (laughs) That's the letter writing we did the last uh, 28 months and got nowhere with. Well, anyhow, let me describe who the Lawyer's Committee for 9-11 Inquiry is because there's some very recent events that were profound that occurred, okay? The Lawyer's Committee for 9-11 Inquiry is a group of seven lawyers in the states from various locations who got together with the biggest 9-11 whistleblowers and whistleblower organizations in the world. And they compiled 60 evidence packages and delivered it to the US attorney in New York, which forced him to announce that they were going to convene a grand jury investigation into 9-11. Well, that stalled. I mean, the Justice Department and other organization was blocking and they wound up taking it all the way to the court system this is what I'm getting at two weeks ago the uh so they had it before the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court refused to hear the case and uh that pretty much sealed their fate so mm. what I've got a uh, phone as a matter of fact I just got an email on it I'm gonna have a, a zoom conference call they know exactly what we've been doing the last uh, 28 months and i think they're kind of out of tricks on where they're going to go with this thing and uh, they're curious as to where we're taking it and i'm going to have this conference call with three other key attorneys and i'm going to describe them where we are now and where we plan on going but uh that involves me getting into much too much detail unless you
1: want to hear it uh no I, i'll i'll take all the detail you've got um like i say the the audience here is um uh they're used to very very deep dives very technical discussions so um, okay i'm just i, I i'm staring okay. at uh, this let me
2: explain that i just said that we went to this 28 month uh, exercising futility, uh, trying to letter-write everybody and making phone calls, emails, you name it. When we actually did that to establish a correspondence trail. And when the letter was written to Biden, we said to him, look, your government is shut down. You're not investigating this. There's never been a criminal investigation in 9-11. That was the greatest crime ever committed on American soil in its history. If the US government is not interested in it, and perhaps the Muslim, the 1.8 billion Muslims in the world would be interested in the fact that there were no Muslim hijackers that are controlled. So mm-hmm. we warned them what we were going to do. And me living in Pakistan, I went, I met with the ISI, their intelligence agency, in March, and just told them everything, trying to get to their prime minister to say, "Hey, here's what they were remotely controlled." But mm-hmm. then they had the coup in April, and that didn't happen over here so
1: oh yeah Imran Khan and uh... yeah
2: very unstable politically over here right now so Mm. in that regard I'm kind of maintaining a low profile but what I personally did was write three Muslim organizations the Organization of Islamic Cooperation which is like the United Nations of the uh, Muslim world Mm. there's another group in uh, out of Mecca called the Muslim World League and then there's a third one out of Rome Called the european uh, muslim league which is the biggest uh, muslim organization in europe and basically we said to them hey look the u.s government isn't investigating our claims here's what we're claiming maybe uh you might be interested and we're waiting for a response and we've written out their minister of foreign affairs from a bunch of other countries saying hey get on board with what we're doing because what we want them to do is to establish a, a International Islamic Commission for 9-11 Inquiry, a, not, a Muslim 9-11 Commission, where they can ha- review all this evidence coming from all over the world and uh, analyze it and publish a report on their finding. You know, you can take it one step further and say we would insist they take it to the uh, criminal court in The Hague, but you and I both know that's tied to the UN and we'll probably go nowhere. Mm.
1: Um, well, but... you know, I, I, I'm in the same position with trying to pursue legal avenues around, um, you know, the use of gain of function, um, biowarfare programs, we know the organizations who are responsible. But um, I guess I, I guess my position is this, that you you have to you have to do the legal steps because if there's if there's a cascade of events that proceed from people beginning to understand this information and and say it gets uh oh, yeah, chaotic right and right. you know, that there's um i think it's important to be able to say that you did go through all all available right. options, such that if there is if there is blood on the streets, that you can maintain some degree of a clear conscience.
2: Well, um, we're at the Department of Justice Inspector General level, saying, "Hey, the FBI lied to us. Okay, we want them investigated." And if they if that stonewalling continues at that level, I've already been in contact with the House Representative government oversight and reform committee, which would initiate a congressional investigation into allegations that were being stonewalled over Mm. something very serious, okay? And that, there's one further step, and I contacted and talked to the chief litigator for the Lawyers' Committee and asked him what the chances are of suing the federal government. Mm. And that would be the final step because that would go nowhere. I know it would. But going all the way to Biden with letters twice, well, actually, he was copied on a bunch of other letters. Yeah,
1: I doubt you can even read them.
2: (laughs) Oh, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, we even contacted the uh, uh, Department of uh, National Intelligence, uh, I mean, the Director of National Intelligence, the FBI, the Attorney General, the Secretary of Transportation. We've, We've contacted every relevant... Branch of the U.S. government concerning this, and totally, totally ignoring them, even though we've got this proof. Because I talked to uh, Marcel Bernard, the uh, chief flight instructor, that denied Hani Hanzer the rental of the airplane, mm-hmm. and he confirmed it for for me. And those witnesses that were involved in that process at Freeway Airport are, is proof alone of what our allegations are. So. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's tough work, but, um, yeah, I think, I think we have to, we have to be able to say we, we did everything. And, you know, like I say, I'm just beginning in this process. I've been, um, well, I guess, I, I don't know what you call this sort of activism space, uh, of trying to pursue these legal, um, avenues and, you know, the, are you doing that in England? No, it's through the United States. We're trying to convene, um, attorney generals to bring a criminal investigation into, um, the programs that were, uh, that we know were funded by, uh, DOD and were fundamental in, um, Building the infrastructure that allowed uh, COVID to emerge, and it, it's not just it's not just COVID; it's the um, it, it's the legislative architecture which has been wrapped around it that's pushing towards an ever more um, invasive surveillance state.
0: Yeah,
1: and you know the. Well, you know what's what. What's what's the outcome? If 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 it doesn't get redressed legally, then it's you know it's sort of fall into the domain of the you know the tree of liberty needs to be um, watered with the with the blood of patriots, right? That right. that's that's the domain in, into which we're heading, and I myself personally. I, i would prefer that we it, it's dealt with at a legislative level that enough public awareness is is brought forward that can say hey you know we've been gaslit um had military grade psychological operations unleashed against the general public especially since 9 11 and we need we need to be able to unravel it somehow and
2: kevin let me ask you how do you enlighten 8 billion people or in the united states i think it's 325 million people when you're competing with the mainstream media i mean the lawyers committee architects myself and everybody goes on does all these podcasts and you look at the viewership and even if you got a hundred thousand people saw your video Mm. that's not a very big number relative to the population of the planet so i don't know how to get around a stranglehold on the media mm. and i'm i'm not i don't want to dampen your enthusiasm with what you're doing but based on my past experience with the u.s government i'm not optimistic of no whatsoever. i i
1: i'm, I'm not optimistic oh. either and um yeah. i am my sort of general view is that what we what, what we have to do is um get get the people who realize what's occurred. We have to, we have to get through the process that they're initiating on us as, uh, as a, um, you know, a solid organized group that can continue to, um, apply pressure. And, you know, you can apply pressure in many ways. And, you know, one of the things that I tried to push is, you know, non-compliance to the, um, to the legislation that they want to push through, the uh, um, you know you've got a the pro- the problem is is that we we're in this technical age, where you know, for someone to try and grasp you know what you're talking about, like Sam, um, it, it, it's a good it's a good juxtaposition the cockpit of the whatever that is a Cessna, and the yeah. and the Boeing there, um. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't think you can get everyone. Um... No, I don't.
2: You know, what I've narrowed, what we've narrowed our sights to, and I'm in particular, Pakistan has a population of 225 million people. It's the sixth most populated country in the world and the second most densely populated Muslim country after Indonesia, okay? And I'm sitting in the middle of saying there were no hijackers, and uh, i got to be careful. But uh, this uh, actually in two days, I'm going over to Karachi and I'm going to give uh, my PowerPoint lecture to a group of pilots who will get it. Mm. And they're Muslim pilots and they fly all over the world. We're gonna give them flyers and my business card saying go to 911pilot.org. Mm. And that's the avenue we've chosen because pilots will get it. And I believe when they, hear about this uninterrupted by going to our our website, they'll spread the word. And we're giving them uh, flyers, I, I mentioned, and uh, also my business card. So if they want to contact me for to be interviewed, because there's so many pilots when we went out asking, hey, let us interview on, you on tape, your opinion of Hani Hanjur and the hijackers, OK? And a lot of them said, no, I'm not interested. Most of them said, no. I'll lose my job. I don't want to do it. So, you know, people are saying it's been 20 years. Forget about it, you know? Mm. So it was very difficult. If you go to uh, the menu page up there in the top, I mean, the menu drop down, Kevin, and go to pilot interviews. On down. There it is. That's, that's what we, uh, and there's only 10 of them, like I said, on there but it's a cross-section of people. One guy's from the United States, Andy Queen's in Vietnam, Mm -hmm. Rizvi's in Pakistan, so is Nazmi. That guy's in Paris, Captain Wilhelm, and uh, that guy's in Sweden. So what we try to do is get a a broad cross-section of the pilot uh, uh, industry and interview them, and they all wind up saying the same thing. So Mm. we proved our point by doing this, and I'm hoping that... uh, by getting the word out to these muslim pilots we can get more of them to come uh forward and i can interview them so
1: mm. well you know uh, we, we touched on this um briefly before but you know pil- pilots are uh, very much in the news right now because um that they were that they were some of the first to be mandated to receive um well i don't i don't consider them vaccines they're uh they're based on um gene manipulation technologies and uh there is th- there seems to be a significant safety signal emerging and um <laughs> the 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 FAA i mean perhaps perhaps you can uh, add to this because um i presume you had to have regular physicals right to be cleared to fly Yeah, every as
2: a captain every six months
1: every six months yeah and what would that entail
2: that wasn't that detailed uh, a physical i don't
1: remember whether uh, it's been too long whether we got ekgs or not but i think i know where you're headed. Mm. so um that's that that requirement has been dropped from the faa and um this is uh well it's a, it's a, it's another indicator of the um the the, the scope of damage oh the assault that's being made on the public and yeah. um you know pilots you know they have a you know, a, it's a respectful um, profession, right? You know, there's, a, there's a degree. of You've got yeah, to be highly competent so, yeah. to um, be sitting behind a Boeing. And uh, But you, you talked about uh, the pilots and what they're doing. Uh, a guy on uh,
2: Twitter contacted me named Josh Yoder, and he's made national news, okay? And I wish I could remember the name of his organization. If you're if you Googling, it's Y-O-D-E-R, Josh. J O S H uh. But uh he came to me because he knew I was a pilot and uh I was working with uh nine eleven and he said, Hey, I want to get you on Stu Peters, which is a, a pretty big program. Oh well,
1: god, no, I've been I've been well, I mean you can go on there and try and get the message out. But the thing is we're we're dealing with um uh how would you say controlled opposition a lot of the time and I, in, in the COVID space. Um has been um, uh, instrumental in pushing out what has been, uh, y- y- you know, warped, a-, a-, a warping of information to, uh, I would say, play to the conspiratorial spectrum. And, uh, you know, uh, th- and this is so this you, is go ahead. Well, well, he sort of pushed it. So in the vaccines, there are people that have looked at them and they've they've claimed that there are nano robots in the in the shots and they can um, and they can, you know, take control of your uh, nervous system, et cetera. And, you know, I, I, I was one of the first to actually do the proper investigations, not just light microscope, but go and demonstrate that the thing the objects that they're seeing under a light microscope are um to be expected in the in the vaccine vials and what what they're doing is is that they're avoiding the underlying toxic biology, and it's a very frustrating um battle to be having in this in this information space and um yeah I, I i went on his program and told him you know the people that he has been pushing are misleading people and yeah. and it's a problem josh, josh
2: is a skin bag he's a he's a pilot mm. and he created this argument. i thought it would pop up here is yeah, yeah there it is u.s freedom Flyers down there uh he created this argument and he's made it national news uh, good morning everyone over in the united states but uh he wanted me to work with him. And the last time I talked to him, which was, I think last month, he was damn, look, I'm real busy. We're trying to get $300,000 in funding for lawyers. So mm-hmm. this organization is uh that's that's a porcupine freedom festival. I don't think that's it. I can't, yeah, that looks like him. Yeah, Josh Yoder. Uh, but
1: that that's the route I think they're going. They're going to uh, sue people over this thing um you know it's it's in my mind it's important to be able to get um uh, well professionals people people who are able to speak to the tsunami of um information that's pushed onto the public in this day and age and we we, we have to be very very, very focused and, you know, like I say, I ha- I'm very receptive to what happened around 9-11 because I see it reaching into the conditions we find ourselves in today. It was a dress rehearsal for right. for the, um, well, the... the... And look,
2: like I th- said, it was a test of the gullibility of the
1: American or general
2: public uh, mm-hmm. worldwide and they fell for it. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been riots. They all fell for it. So they go, "Well, we got them to believe that one. Let's try this." Well, it's not working this time.
1: Mm. Yeah. So th- this is what this is what I think right now. The veil is the thinnest it's ever going to be, and you know th- th- this is why I I'm, I try to sort of hold a very tight line when it comes to the science and the information space. And so you know, someone someone like. Stupidas. i've seen him pushing disinformation merely for the sake of trying to gain um popularity and clicks and i, I okay mm-hmm. I, I i get that right he's he's trying to make a living um the the, the problem is is uh you know you, you you really have to you really have to be very very strict with the people who Um, you are you are bringing forward to try to convince the public right Right. and and if you're if you're just pushing stuff that's easily dismissed when the scientists and the engineers come to because that's what you'll meet right right and um this is uh this is part it's a tough part of the battle and um you know the. I, I I'm not saying not to go on Steve Peters. If you can reach a lot of people through that, um, just my own personal advice would be be um, be. Uh, how, how would you say? You, you know, maintain a, a sort of skeptical eye on. Um, Thanks for the warning. Yeah, where where it would lead. I,
2: I don't follow religion, so I've just tuned into so several times and. Uh... He's outspoken on a lot of issues, and uh, yeah, that's, and what, that's what you need is
1: journalists that are aren't kind of afraid to speak up. Yeah, and um, you know, in this when when we've got our backs against the wall, li- literally, um, you know, I'm I understand the need to try to get the uh, the the message out. I'm I'm right. Uh, so i've been i've i've been asked to ask you a question and um, th- this is from mark who's tonic who i hoped would uh would join us on this conversation because he's he, he is a um expert of, of, yeah he's got a very very um um uh, professional and um tack, sharp mind and um, he he wants to know: Do you think it's possible that planes that took off from Boston to have landed, and other empty planes to have hit the towers?
2: Well, I just got that question asked by an attorney in the lawyers' committee, and there's a a big theory that there were, were airborne swap of aircraft. Okay, and the critic at the lawyers' committee said, "Hey, I hope you're not just considering that all those airplanes hit buildings." I said, no, we're just not going there as our organization, okay? We've got a very limited scope. But Mm. I will say this, and I've said it on podcast. Have you seen the four independent photos taken of United 175 hitting the South Tower that showed a pod on the bottom of the aircraft?
1: I'm aware of that, yeah.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, 767 doesn't have that pod. So if that's an authentic photo, which Spanish photo experts claim it is, they say it wasn't a shadow from the engine, and it was too grainy for it to be photoshopped. So, if the pub was there, that wasn't 175. Mm-hmm. And I pointed that out. But you also look at both the airplanes that hit the tire, cross over Stewart Air Force Base, and that's where they're claiming maybe a swap took place. And what happened to the planes with passengers? I mean, you've got one guy that says they went out over the ocean and blow them up. You got Rebecca Roth, an author, who said they were remotely guided to uh, Westover Air Force Base up in Massachusetts, made to make phone calls and then snuff. And then you got a guy like James Fetzer. I don't know if you know him, but yeah, I know he,
1: James Fetzer.
2: Yeah, I've been. On, I can't. I can't get on the program because he will number one. He doesn't let me talk, but and he's a knowledgeable guy. He's written a lot of books and he's a PhD too. But uh, he believes that no planes hit the the tires, and there were nukes in the basement, Mm -hmm. and that these airplanes with passengers were remotely guided to Cleveland and Chicago, and the passengers offloaded. So I I don't don't buy into it, although the lawyer at the Lawyers Committee said, no, there's a group out there investigating this possibility, and they're looking at what radar data they have, and they claim it shows these airplanes turning back uh, so I I don't I haven't seen that and as an organization we're not going there but yeah it's talked about a lot Mm. about the airborne swap of airplanes
1: yeah and you know again um I I I would just reiterate the point that it, it it's become patently obvious that we're dealing with um organizations entities that um life is uh (laughs) they don't have the same moral morals and ethics that we do not at all Mm. Um, and i i I
2: consider them the most powerful wealthy ruthless subhumans on earth they have no regard for human life and people will tell me you don't believe that they threw these airplanes out over the ocean blew them up and go why that's only 200 people Mm-hmm. For almost three thousand people that killed at the trade center yeah. and the pentagon so uh, what's a few hundred more so i don't put anything past them because they're ruthless and dangerous
1: yes yeah that, that that's the um th- that's the take home that people really really need to understand ruthless and dangerous and i would you know sorry to sort of drag it into the, um current events but I I think that's what we're we're seeing that in a at a global level now, and you know part of um, you know what I think we're we're dealing with um, is
2: you've got the five hundred thirty five cars of Congress that are sitting there and doing nothing. Mm. Uh, Have you ever seen the video? The incredibly evil, no history of the incredibly evil kazaria
1: mafia uh I haven't uh seen that it's, but, an,
2: uh, it's an audio recording on YouTube but uh okay if you even believe half of it it's pretty sobering uh thats something like it, it's uh are you familiar with the history of kazaria yes yeah uh, okay 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 well it evolved out of that and uh, these guys are supposed to be ruthless because I can't believe that just APAC and the ADL and Benibers and these other organizations, pro-Israel organizations, solely have a stranglehold on the 535 members of Congress, mm. but that they'll get whacked if they step out of line by this
1: mafia. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, if if I had to, um, if I had to try to categorize them. Um, I I would put them in the uh, are you familiar with uh, Sabbatean Frankists no okay so th- that's a messianic group which emerged in the 1600s uh Sabbate Levi and uh, so uh Jewish Jewish eschatology and basically their their eschatology was that they had to, in in order to manifest the coming of the Moshiach, the, the world had to become um, more evil, basically. And they, um, so <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be engaging in the classic, <laughs> the classic blood libels, but this is this is a, you know, historically recorded series of events and you know they were um well degenerate in how in in the behaviors that they that they manifested and um i think we're still dealing with a group like that and that they have managed to position themselves into uh um positions of power and they have a um, yeah, there's a, there's an eschatological drive to what it is that they're doing, and the geopolitical manifestation is just one one level of their of uh, a, a, a coordinated um, multi generational plan. Right, and um, there's a there's a spiritual religious component that these people are driving to to try to um manifest uh prophecy yeah and um you know you can people can try and dismiss that if they like but the, the problem is that it doesn't matter what you believe it's what the other person the other group believe and what drives them yeah and so what's what's Become clear in the years since 9/11, as we've uncovered um, groups. You know, and I'm interested in the science domain, but you know, there's been what I call an epsteinization of science and our institutions, which means that that they've been corrupted through, uh, and you know, what is it, sort of blackmail, and they can hold they can hold powerful individuals in uh in positions where they can drive their agenda forward
0: right
1: and right. you know the the simple fact is um abuse of children is one of their mechanisms that they use and yeah. if if that's the mindset that we're dealing with then you know, a few hundred on a plane, dying; a few thousand <laughs> in right. a in a building. Um, acceptable losses. Wow, well, uh, uh, um, not just acceptable, want uh, uh, desired losses.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, they <laughs> needed all those deaths
1: to, uh, to garner support of the global
2: population, and they got it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, um, look, it's a, and I'll I'll be completely honest with you, Dan, you know, from my own personal circumstances at the time where I grew up and, you know, I had a, how should we say, um, complicated relationship with Islam because I was, grew up in an area where it it was taken over by a lot of pakistanis a lot of uh islam was injected into uh where i lived and um yeah there was conflict because of it and you, you know it it reached a um a crescendo i guess as a way of uh, putting it um around 911 yeah. um and but oh.
2: Islamophobia was
1: somewhat prevalent after the first World Trade Center bombing. Mm. Mm. And the, the 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 simple fact is, um, no Muslims have to take some responsibility for their their actions, right? I, I'm I'm married into Muslim family, okay, uh-huh. and this is. This is discussions that we have to have and um, we have to we have to drag it all out onto the table to make sure that we can move forward properly. And, you know, as as much as important as it is to talk about the eschatological driving of these behind the scenes groups, we have to do that around uh, particularly the Abrahamic faiths they seem they seem almost programmed and pre predetermined to what I call move towards Armageddon fetishism. Yeah. And um, that that dynamic is is a dangerous one for for everyone. And we we need to find a way to um, diffuse it um
2: yeah but kevin you gotta look at uh, are you familiar with the christian zionists yeah 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 they're uh, just okay. problematic um
1: yeah you know, uh i lived for three years in israel right okay uh, and you know i left there um of the opinion that there is no way that you can solve that conflict it's too old. it goes back thousands of years and th- they will they will always find something to um kick off either side now <laughs> right there it, it, and so it you know there's a there's a there's a very um deep geopolitical um impasse that that comes up when we have to talk about this, because there's a there's an element of uh, Islamic thought not just Islamic. Um, you know, it, it covers many many groups as well, which would say uh, we want to push Israel into the sea.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And I'm I'm sort of of the opinion I I don't want to see these wars. Right. And I, right. I'm I'm almost I'm. Partially convinced that the war in Ukraine is part of the greater Israel um, oh, it is. it plan, is. right? Yes. But um, you know, where do you where do where do we stop the historical grievance, right? And, and this is something I think about a lot. And you know, if if we have to, if we're in a situation off the backs of millions of dead in the Second World War, that you know made made Israel and also at the same time Pakistan as a country was um was made was was carved out it was a very bloody um revolution right. I guess conflict right.
2: transition I mean I think they lost one or two million people mm. just with the transition of Hindus outside to the south yeah. and Muslims to the north so
1: that uh transition the uh partition was bloody yeah very very brutal and and so i i I asked this question of people okay i i get it that israel is a um it's a goddamn fawn inside it's biblical right i'll make i'll make jerusalem a stone around the necks of of the world right um but okay we we decide that we're going to dissolve the borders of israel and uh though the the population there what we're going to we're going to have that blood on our hands and then then we have to do the same with pakistan because you know that is is that the cut off that we're using to try to to try to redress these grievances um people that want to go down that line i don't think they fully comprehend the 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 blood that would be spilled in the process
2: yeah it's, well it... you look at uh israel's su- alignment with india which is an arch enemy of pakistan mm. and the u.s supporting uh both india and i mean pakistan mm yeah it's an arch enemy of pakistan okay but the united states standing by israel of course but also india which has a population 1.2 billion compared to 225 million pakistanis
0: Mm.
2: has a lot more mouths to feed
0: Mm.
2: and would be much more economically advantageous to align with india so i think the handwriting's on the wall i think they would love to dissolve the border between
1: India and Pakistan, that would be a bloodbath. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I pe- people need to tread very carefully. And the the the, the problem is, is that from nine eleven to where we are today, they've they've leveraged the geopolitics that that we could be in that position to um, flip the switch on that type of warfare. Yeah, and. Um, Well, again, some some people, some people would relish in the in that bloodbath. And it's not something that I just want to give them. Right. Yeah. You know, of course, we need to stop Israel um, forever expanding into occupied territories. That's got to stop. We've got to stop the. um, How would you say? the 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 funding and technology transfers that 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 we're doing if if Israel is a a country let it stand by itself yeah but we and and then we have I know we've sort of gone off track yeah that's all right you're interesting to talk to (laughs) thank you um the let it let it stand as itself let Pakistan find its way in independence and let it sort of join the the community of nations and you know that
2: yeah, kevin i don't know if you knew know how pakistan was forced into the war on terror but mm. charlie after 9 11 then under secretary of state richard armitage paid a visit and told the isi chief here if you don't join us in this war on terror we will quote bomb you, bomb you back in the Stone Age, yeah. unquote, and General Musharraf Blink and 70,000 people, laid, dead people later and $120 billion they couldn't afford to spend has crushed Pakistan financially and they're on the verge of defaulting on their loans. So uh, this uh, joint, I, sh- I shouldn't say this in public because the current leadership in this country is doing some pretty nasty things to dissenters, but uh, this joint U.S.-Pakistan coup that just occurred, I mean, the State Department said, we had nothing to do with it. Oh, don't feed me that garbage. Uh, You know how that works. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you've got a government that is uh, aligned totally with the United States and totally a dead slave to the IMF. And in the United States because they are dependent on aid and trade. So I don't know where things are going in this country and I don't know where the United States is gonna guide it. But they're they're in control over here.
1: Well um the, the, the problem is is that I think I think it's bigger than, than one particular country like the United States. I it, it, it could be possible that um you know, the United States is being guided by, you know, you you gave a very articulate list of the the potential groups that could be involved, you know, the Club of Rome, the um, Bilderberg, WEF, all these transnational groups. Um, If you if you, my humble opinion, it almost looks like there's been a a global coup.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the reason Imran Khan, the past Prime Minister was ousted are several reasons. One, the very day Russia invaded the Ukraine, they flew him and the the, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs flew into uh, Moscow and negotiated trade deals, right? Imran Khan refused to recognize the, support the US and the Ukrainian conflict. And China and Russia both were tugging on, I mean, China has been a long term ally of pakistan okay and the u.s didn't like that especially with the belt road initiative Uh, but russia was leaning towards pakistan and the fight in afghanistan in part there were about five reasons why they invaded but one of them was to thwart the expansion of russia and china and, and south asia uh that's still their that's still their game plan but uh imran khan was doing too many things that globalists didn't like and they had him remove
1: him yep yep um you know i i'm i'm no expert on the internal dynamics of um pakistan but you know the i have family links there now and um yeah. you know the i, 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 I I don't know call me a pacifist I guess um you know I I understand that there's sometimes there's a need to fight but um I'm it if we're gonna have to I want I want it done on my terms and not and not as a consequence of um these these transnationals um guiding or, or or nudging through these psychological operations that they've unleashed on us
2: Right, I'm a I'm a pacifist, Kevin, and uh, so much so that I've bashed uh, U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East and South Asia so bad that I get stopped by the FBI and TSA when I enter and leave the states for interrogation because that's part of my catalyst that launched me into action, doing what I was doing, but to see the carnage that occurred as a result of the lies of 9/11. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, and and that's brought us to the point where, look, if you'd said to me, well, if you like, uh, as as the next phases of the the war that started on nine eleven, and I, I consider the release of biological agents to be the next real um, acceleration point, if you'd said to me at the beginning of that three years ago that we would be seeing trench warfare in Europe again and um well uh, industrialized warfare that I for whatever happened in the Middle East um it's nothing compared to the carnage that's happening in Europe and has the potential to expand to a degree that I think well people have forgotten uh a lot of what happened in the the second world war but um we're very we're very very close to seeing that phenomenon that that and that lust for war taking over and and driving events and um well
2: kevin i you're probably aware of this but the same neocon zionists that were in the project for a new american a Century, century etc that drove us into the iraq war are exactly driving the equation if you look at Blinken, the secretary yep. of state if you look at victoria newland who's married to robert kagan who founded the project for a new american century if you look yep. at the attorney general i'm sorry but they're all i believe they're all jewish Zionists. yeah they are they're driving the equation in Ukraine right now, getting us to the brink of a nuclear holocaust. Yeah. And the bulk of the U.S. population hates Putin because of the media. Mm.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a very um, delicate situation right yeah. now. And, you know, the. Um, I, I'm uh, persona non grata in the U.K. Um, because of... Uh, my views have been out, I've been outspoken but it's been across the uh, the political spectrum I, I, we'll discuss this another day it's that, that's a complex um uh, story but um people people don't understand with respect to Ukraine that that conflict was ignited in 2014 when there was a right. US driven coup in that right. country and the The specific aims were to continue to move NATO up to the borders of the of Russia. And and you know what
2: you know what happened in the Reagan area was Gorbachev up in Iceland, right? There was an agreement made, and the U.S. has completely broken it. That they yep. weren't going to expand uh, eastward, and they're still trying to do it right now. Not
1: not one inch further east is what right. Baker said right i'm i'm old enough to remember that i i grew up right with uh the existential threat of uh, uh the the cold war my father was in the air force um yeah. and you know we 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 were in a i grew up in a region that was the essentially the front lines and right. um the i can remember the relief of the berlin wall Coming down, Perestroika, yeah. the the um, ABM treaties that were that were put into place, and um, from my perspective right now, that's all being undone. There's no there's no reason for NATO to be pushing forward the way the way that it has done. If, if you right. wanted my solution, every one of those countries that borders Russia. They should they should be demilitarized zones.
2: Yeah, how we do it, but that'll uh, never happen.
1: And and w- what we're seeing is a um, very very aggressive policy by NATO's uh, NATO by the Five Eyes country, where they're not even um, giving Russia the chance to negotiate a, a peaceful settlement. That's that's what we're seeing, the right. the blowing up of the Nord Stream pipeline. That was the UK that did that. I'm I'm absolutely certain of it. Yeah. Um. The. Well, the the the, the reports that came out uh, a few weeks ago from Merkel, which basically said that they weren't gonna, but they weren't gonna follow the Minsk agreements. Right. Right. So that there's no there's no. Um, negotiating partners for Russia at the moment, and so basically we've we, we've pushed Russia into w- what what is an existential threat for them.
2: Right, right, and they're responding appropriately, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I've got a meme that says I stand with Russia that I post on social media all the time mm. because I. I do support them in this conflict and I do understand where they're coming from mm. with regard to the United States and the warmongers that you have at key positions within the US government right mm. now.
1: Yeah. And it's not it's not just the US, it's the UK as well. All and right. um they're well again, um you know what well, <laughs> which which brush strokes do you do you want to put over these groups it's you know yeah we can say um zionist neocons looking for their uh new new american century and full spectrum dominance yeah i get i get it that that's one part there's also the um well the the, the eschatological religious component that's driving a lot of the um uh, the, the events as well and <laughs> we're just we're just uh, the the untermensch that they trample under their feet yeah. right now and yeah. yeah um yeah look when when the war in ukraine started i i it, to me i was i was just dismayed i i, I didn't yeah. I, I didn't really have a um a dog in the fight, as it were. Yeah. And, you know, I was watching the. The reports coming out, but as as soon as soon as we started seeing Ukrainians um, gunning down P.O.W.s uh, uh, and (laughs) cheering at the fact, I was like, oh, oh, I see what we're dealing with here. And yeah, my i i i pray that russia can get into a position where they they force them to the to, to the, the negotiating neg- table yeah 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 um,
2: well
1: don't you think
2: it's coming to that right now
1: i i i don't know i mean that the, yeah. the, the, i i blame very much the uk for scuppering the early talks that were um I think it was in Turkey, right? That they were they were supposed to be meeting, and uh, Boris Johnson arrives in Kiev and says, uh, "No, you're not going to do that." And then they just keep promising them weapons and money, and um, it's it's a it's a it's a display of the most based and worst elements of of human nature that we're yeah. and it it has a potential to spin out of control right now. And um, yeah, Yeah. I I wish I had, uh, I wish I had more uh, optimistic um, analysis. (laughs) One of the one of the things that um, links uh, that sort of current events and it's 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 impossible to deny, because we, we even had uh, Newland admitting it in in Congress, where they've got these bio labs in Ukraine, right, right, and this <laughs> labs for observation of uh, the surroundings don't require hundreds of millions of dollars being poured in via Ditra. And elements of the uh, the military industrial complex. Yeah, that there's no, there's no reason for that. I, I, imagine that. It, imagine the reverse. That Russia was funding labs on the border of the U.S. And Mexico right. in Mexico in an official capacity. Now look, is Russia funding um, the trafficking of uh the drugs and because uh, i consider that chemical warfare being waged yeah. against the us are they involved in that maybe probably um <laughs> each side needs to needs to sit down and um wind it back in yeah but then you know <laughs> we seem to be dealing with people who want to build towards this chaos they want to smash the old systems or, well, or the
2: amount of money they've thrown at the ukraine since they started the us has okay and you look at you know how much money was spent from 9 11 to present in the middle east and south asia
1: by the united states in in the whole 20 years yeah oh god it was in the trillions right yeah
2: 6.2 trillion dollars is what i read okay Mm. who reaped that benefit right military industrial complex yeah who's Who's capitalizing on the Ukraine right now? the same cast of characters. Yeah. So you got the same cast of characters that brought you to the Iraq war driving the equation mm-hmm. uh, militarily, and you got the backing of the military industrial complex, which is exactly what you had during the uh, Afghan, uh, Iraq, mm-hmm. et cetera conflicts. Mm-hmm. They weren't conflicts, they were. I consider it to be a legal and unwarranted invasion of sovereign countries, so that uh, they used 9-11 for to do it. Yeah, so.
1: and, you know, look, I, I, I can think, I've cast my mind back to the events as it happened and, you know, uh, uh, the information, the, the low level of information that I had at the time. I could kind of understand Afghanistan. Okay, not you know yeah. America's been attacked they want it you know they have to sort of strike out and but then then there was this very um coordinated and encompassing um plan that they had in effect. And yeah, but
2: Kevin, you probably realize this but uh they war game these things for years at these military uh, mm-hmm. colleges, okay, like the national war, I can't remember the name of them, okay, but uh, this invasion of Afghanistan had been war game for years, mm. and, you know, look how quick they got troops into Afghanistan, into action, right after 9-11. That, that didn't happen with guys sitting down for a couple of weeks saying, how are we going to pull this off? Mm. I think that they had planned it all along.
1: Yeah. Yep, yeah, very much so, and we're um, it, it, it's the same groups. It's the same. Well, I I, I don't. know. I refer to them as entities, um, yeah. because it's it's it it is difficult to classify them, right? Um, yeah. That you know they're they're in the shadows, and then what is in public is very slick with respect to um, public relations and. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a tough, a tough enemy. And, you know, this, this brings us back to, you know, what do, what, what do we do in light of the, the problem that we're dealing with? Well, you know, you, you, you pursue the legal avenues as much as you can because when conflict does break out, which I think, I, I, I do think there's a high likelihood of that. And, you know the. I, I, kind I, of like where, Kevin. Um. Well, pretty much everywhere. I think a lot of the a lot of what we're seeing is geared towards breaking the uh the United States.
0: Yeah.
1: That's that's the globalist aim. And and yeah. Yeah. And you know whether whether it's to you know that that their next system is to sort of regionalize um the world and you know well,
2: Kevin what what is your definition of the new world order what do you think that involves
1: um i think i i i think it's um what what we would consider next generation real time surveillance of everyone that's hooked into a um, global central bank. that yeah, That's well, what I...
2: Here, here's what I've read, of, I believe perhaps, I'm not sure, I'm totally convinced, but uh, one world love government, one world leader, the government based in Jerusalem by 2030, cryptocurrency, and either one religion
1: or none, yeah.
2: and de-popula- depopulation, so about... that's
1: all That's of that seems to be in play. 30. all of it Pardon? seems to be in play. yeah i i i agree that um every every endpoint that you mentioned there if you if you had to sort of do a bayesian analysis and give it some some probability all, all of them are in play right now. um right. i do i i i would i would add this level of analysis um what what we're seeing in the current environment with the um mass use of these next generation technologies with respect to um gene modification is going to be linked to this surveillance state and part of what they're trying to do is to aggregate data biological data for I, I don't know if it, the people discuss transhumanism etc and yeah I, I, I that's maybe a sort of end point a far-off end point and it's very much eugenics driven and yeah. they will well it's it's about control and you know whether whether the capital is jerusalem or not or i i I think these are i i find those things a little less incidental because um the the gulag that's going to contain me is going to be where i'm sitting now right it's it's going to be a a digital surveillance that limits my ability to move and act as a, a sovereign individual. Right, I agree with you. And you know, I'm my my instinct is to push back against it as um, much as possible. And right. the 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 disturbing thing is is that they they would want the the populace, the lumpen proletariat to get violent it gives them an excuse to roll out police action on uh, uh, on well a, a, a military type scale
2: well there you have a problem with the order takers
1: i'm sorry who? Remember,
2: i mean the people that enforces the uh, police the gestapo mm. and the military that's their hammer that they have if the riots. i mean mm. if you look at what happened happened the last demonstration I believe I've seen in the States was the Iraq invasion, mm. where people were out demonstrating the streets. And what did they do? They established uh, free speech zones where they'd off an area. And these people could stand outside a media site and yell all they wanted. Nobody even heard of it was happening. And yep. uh, they, they won't, people aren't going to do it. I mean, they I think people realize that they're living in or a lot of them do they're living in this Orwellian uh fascist police state mm. and they're too afraid to speak out for fear the fbi joint terrorist task force will kick their door down take their hard drive and throw them in a internment mm. camp so mm. i've got four sisters like that they they don't even like to talk to me on the <laughs> because and they won't let me talk about things we're talking about mm. I have one. My youngest sister said, uh, well, I put on the blinders. Well, I'm
1: that's live for today." Uh, that, that, like I say, it, it's a multi generational um, action, and they have been supremely successful in um, sucking people into a debt driven lifestyle where right. it's it's virtually impossible to break out of it. Because look, man, people live week to week, right? And they, they want to make debt slaves out of everybody, and ownership mm-hmm. of
2: property being a thing of the past, and uh, having total control with the cryptocurrency
1: business. So yep. Yep. yeah, it's fits so well in. And you know, perhaps uh, you know, it might it might be that um, the Muslim world, because of its rejection of. Usury, right? They have a very fundamental, yeah, right? Um, uh, well, yeah, it, it, it's part of their social and religious framework that um, th- that that part of the world might be a little more resistant to um, global Homo Rainbow fascism, which they're which they're enforcing on everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I
2: I consider the Muslim world to be a potential force to be dealt with in the future. I mean, you got 1.8 billion people on the planet it's like 22% are Muslims, okay? mm -hmm. And you look at the concentration in South Asia, and the problem is, and I guess that's what I'm trying to do is force their hand, and I was told by, you know who Brendan O'Connell is?
1: oh yeah i know brendan yeah yeah he's a friend of mine he he doesn't like me (laughs) oh really really okay
2: yeah i say he's a friend we're email buddies uh and he
1: interviewed me a few times Mm -hmm. so why doesn't he like you just out of curiosity um well so i come i come from these problems these geopolitical problems from a very nationalist perspective right uh-huh. I, th- I i i'm of the opinion that um individual sovereignty is best protected by strong borders and um a uh, uh, a protection of the culture that formed that, that has a history within these countries and um he's he's very much uh how should we say? Uh, uh open borders type and um so I'll, I'll explain to you the the history about um why i have a contentious relationship with islam okay okay so where i grew up um i was uh well my 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 grandfather on my mother's side was Italian and captured by the British in the second world war in North Africa. And Uh. and he stayed in the UK after the war. Um, on my father's side, we don't know. I don't know anything sort of post, uh, or just after the second world war, after, uh, um, he was born, right? So he, he came through, um, institutions and, um, Foster homes, etc., and um, you know, thank- thankfully, he went into the military instead of the, um, well, you know, the 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 prison and the the more objectionable sides of life. It, it's quite possible at that age. But anyway, I, I grew up in this immigrant area that was Polish and Italian, and ah. that, as I was growing up transitioned as um britain opened its borders to um commonwealth countries and that that involved the mass movement the mass migration of um pakistanis into uh into the where we lived in britain in particular and there was and still is a um serious clash of cultures ongoing now to tie back to 9-11 my next-door neighbor was one of six Pakistani youths who as a as a young lad was walking back from work one evening this this was three weeks after 9-11 they um they jumped him sprayed him in the face with cs gas um had a sort of um bowie type knife and beat him with a hammer and tried to decapitate him and oh. uh well he was you know he was dead that happened fifty meters from the you know what was my grandparent's door i know i know the the lads that did it and um <laughs> i'm i sort of i grew up um very very conscious of, of of this conflict the rape gangs was a uh, um part of the the terrain in which which i grew up in and i don't know how huh. how much you're familiar with that um story oh, so, Islamic rape gangs in the UK were a massive problem. They th- they think that there was over, it might have been over a million girls who were. Uh, um, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge problem, and um, as a <laughs> there, there was only one group, uh, one one political party. They were called the British National Party, who was raising this issue because there were so many girls being assaulted that they were they were able to gain some political leverage and the British state did everything that they could to smash that party right because because they were publicly talking about this issue of rape and violence being perpetrated on on the streets of the UK and so um I gave them right 50 quid to help them with court cases as they were being dragged through the highest courts of the land to break that party the, the established political parties were doing everything to sort of break this uh groundswell of um you know the working class in the UK um objecting to this this mass movement into into their communities that was bringing um this uh, militant culture. And, um, you know, that, that's something that you have to wrestle with, um, with Islam that they, they have a eschatology as well, which is, um, at its borders, bloody. And (laughs) this is, so (laughs) I, um, well, anyway, he, he, he doesn't like me because of that, that sort of association mm-hmm. right and
2: well he he tells me quit dan you gotta quit bashing the united states it's the last bastion of hope for democracy in the world they're just being controlled by a few people Well, I, I acknowledge that but he wants me to get into talking about the bell road initiative and israel's uh technology stuff of the united states and other things i gotta go. It's not directly related to what I'm talking. To. I'm not going to do it. I'm not a pilot, and I can't eloquently state the way you do publicly on your broadcast uh, the Bell rotor initiative. So I'm not going there. So mm. he get he's on my email list, though so whenever he gets an email, I usually get a comment
1: from him, either favorable or bash Look, me on that. Um, that Bre- Brendan 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 is a um, tool for the Five Eyes nations and um look he he makes a big deal that uh he's he's on the run right with criminal charges against him right um there's no uh listing of him in the uh interpol wanted records right and um, he has a uh how would you say um he has a line that fits the um, establishment right and I would I would argue almost that he has uh, he has too much of a hyper fixation on Israel and the Palestinians to the point where he's blinded to the bigger picture. Um well,
2: you know how he wound up in prison right?
1: uh yeah he was uh... I may be a little bit
2: miffed at Israel myself
1: <laughs> but um <laughs> look i there's um there's elements to his story that once you sort of scratch at it and um uh, peel the layers back, there are um how would you say elements elements that just don't jive properly right um, and...
2: I'll tell you Kevin. I as a person I really like the guy. Okay. Somebody Look I've spoke to him, I've point. spoke to him
1: a lot. He I've done many streams with him, right? But he's um he's uh bipolar. Um he, he has a um instability in temperament and uh he throws a lot of people under the bus. Okay. Well, I won't argue with you there, uh and um he's uh at best a limited hangout at worst he's a uh, like i say there's there's too much there's too much rhetoric that that fits the um yeah I, i would say that the sort of five eyes goals and directions and um yeah it's a uh, he's just a gobshite at the end of the day mm-hmm. so um yeah I, I he lacks he lacks uh the ability to um uh think think in terms of nuance of these situations right uh-huh. and um <laughs> look the the <laughs> The stuff that he talks about with respect to the um chips being backdoored etc and um it's not just israel that does that right but you you, okay. you don't you don't think the nsa and the <laughs> and mi6 don't have uh backdoors into these technologies as well yeah right do. <laughs> of, of course they do so, um, you know, that the hyper fixation on Israel is, uh, uh, like I say, it's a, it's a limited hangout and misses much of the complexities of the global war that we're in right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and we're, we're, we're very, very deep down the. I don't like using the term rabbit hole, but the drain, we're circling yeah. the drain with respect to um, it, global, global events overtaking us. Oh, uh, they
2: got away for 20 years with 9-11. They're going to do the same thing with COVID. They're going to do the same thing with the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And people are going to sit here being passive about it all mm-hmm. because they're being fed garbage on the media and from governments around the world. I don't see it I don't see it improving until no. until people get off their butt and turn the tvs off and uh stand on the street and start screaming uh, i don't see anything change i well, see it getting worse
1: yeah it's it's going to get worse all the time that people people remain um stuck in the well it's the debt system it's the usury system right yeah. and m- most people can't get out of that and right you know better better to better to sort of exist in i in a i i i don't know <laughs> look you need a roof over your head you need to be able to feed yourself um but you know at uh at what point do you say that uh, enough i have enough and I don't want any more from a system that's morally and ethically bankrupt and coated in blood. Well, you got to do something more than protest. Yeah, I, 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 like I think, I think the solution is um, detach from that system. Stop feeding it, right? right? And, you know, you've got to stop using credit cards. You've got to stop... Um, stop fueling that fiat money system that it's that it uses in these ever accelerating cycles and you know can you build a critical mass of that i don't think you can what i think you can do is you can um aggregate enough people to get through each each what what would you call them assaults um geopolitical moves war moves it, it it's all encompassing it's i say it's full spectrum
0: yeah
1: and you've just got to get people like yourself who have a have a deep understanding to the other side so you can keep telling people the history of what went on
2: too many people <clears throat> suffering from cognitive dissonance. They, they can't fathom the idea that the US government would be involved in something as horrible as 9-11. So they mm. put on the blinders like my sisters and turn it off. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, I talk to my sisters on Skype, their eyes glaze over and they don't, their expression expressionless, like they've already turned me out. So I, I just give up trying on them. I mean, I, I wish I could bring them at least to look at where I am and, and consider the possibility that maybe I'm right on some of these issues, but I can't even do that. Mm. And I'm afraid too many people are like that,
1: Kevin. Yeah, yeah. And um, all all we can do is, what? what's the goal? We've we got to get to 2030? Okay. Yeah. Okay, Let's do that then. And, you know, let's make sure that we're... Um, but I, I think a lot of it is sort of having a... You can't be too pessimistic, right? We need we need to aim at the younger cohort, right? The ones, the ones that will switch on and we need them to have kids and keep, keep the process going. And You know, uh, as much as I have differences with Islam, um, they're very, very good at um, multi-generational maintenance of tradition same yeah. same with the um Jews and the very religious Jews that they, they, they do that brilliantly uh-huh. learn from them yeah. <laughs> this is this is um discussion I have I, you know I have a lot which is that those groups which we sit here complaining about Engage in, um one particular behavior which i don't know what, what would you say white U- euro europoids right n- need to need to grasp in-group preference it's okay to prefer your kith and kin over the uh over the push for um for globalization right so they're, they're utilising the mass movement of populations from the third world via breaking their systems, right. causing wars, and uh, offering them a, um easy life with respect to welfare states, particularly in Europe. And you cannot have a welfare state with open borders. It it's it's not possible <laughs> yeah and you know the, the the transnationalists and globalists would love to love to see the borders swept away right right they want economic regions right and
2: um they want to destroy the history and culture of every country in the world mm
1: and you, you know which country is uh standing up and putting some resistance towards that right now no. russia literally oh, okay. with literally with blood and treasure right right and um it's it, it, you know if you ask me which 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 do i want global homo rainbow fascism that's driven by corporatism or the sort of trad trad culture that I know leans in towards a sort of totalitarian political structure. Yeah. Well, right now, I think I prefer the trad one because they've got some basis in reality, right? The West is warping itself with respect to, and this is where the gender um ideology the woke ideology is part of the tip of the spear which is being used to um break the the how do I say the mass the mass population right the the middle and the working class mm. and um that culture war is an important war to fight in fact i would i would make the argument it's it's more important to focus on that than trying to focus on these you know mass um global problems yeah. right because you can't affect change at that level at a family level you can right? right so myself and yourself are in a position where we can act as an interface to normal um families in the islamic sphere and the western sphere right uh-huh. and we can perhaps um diffuse some of the social tensions that have been driven by globalist yeah uh, mass movement of um populations in, into yeah. into other working class populations I mean I don't I don't have you know e- e- easy answers, right? But yeah. uh, <laughs> I just I'm moving further and further away. Well, you sound like you
2: got a lot of easy answers there, Kevin. But, no, uh, no. I I don't know what the solution is. I mean I I don't feel like I'm being very effective doing much of anything, uh, you know, when I come on podcasts or whatever, you know. Uh and in particular with uh what I'm doing, uh regarding uh the 9-11 pilot whistleblower so huh? mm. i well, just i wind up getting frustrated every month and saying this is hopeless and i'm gonna quit and then something happens and i
1: don't but what you're doing is is vitally important because you're laying down the te- the, the technical aspects of a world changing event Right, yeah. and you know, we need people like that who understand the mechanics of the weapons that they're using. Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> I think our our group is. I mean, I mentioned nine pilots for nine eleven truth. Well, one of their co-founders ran away, and the other one passed away last year. And it basically consists of a website out there, and I don't know of any other. 9-11 pilot group out there that's saying and doing what we're doing, mm. but they're only going to let us go so far before they start whacking people because uh, they can't let us get away with saying the aircraft were remotely controlled, especially mm. if the word spreads rapidly. Mm. Like if, if I and my group were successful in spreading the word across the Muslim world, they're not going to let us do that. Mm. I'm... Yeah. I don't pose a threat right now going on programs like this, or the one I was on the other night, uh, Mm. saying what I'm doing. So I guess they just let me ramble. Uh, I'll mention, maybe I did already, I don't remember. Maybe I mentioned it the other night, but uh, there was a pilot named Philip Marshall. Okay, he was a captain for United Airlines. Did I mention this? I'm not sure,
1: no, I don't think so. No, I
2: probably mentioned it earlier to someone, but uh, he, had written two books on 9 11 It was about to publish a third one and he complained to his neighbors that he was being threatened and uh he had the book that he had written he wore a copy of it
1: on it oh this uh, is the people in california where the, the murder yeah, suicide they, yeah, what yeah. they wound
2: up doing they found him mm. uh, him and his two kids the kids were shot to death and their family dog was too mm. and he had a bullet in the head and they called it uh, a murder suicide that he killed his kids and then uh, Mm -hmm. committed suicide Mm -hmm. and they didn't investigate any further so all all i'm saying is given what he was doing he was going to expose a lot of george hw bush Mm -hmm. and his involvement in everything uh if you go so far they'll kill you
1: yeah and look so um i'm i'm of the opinion that look there before the grace of god go i praise allah right for the for um being able to talk to people like this right now and um you know we have a parallel um type of role okay so where you've been explaining the technicalities behind the what was an assault against people right I've been I've been doing the same with respect to SARS and explaining about the synthetic nature of the virus. It's lab origin, and um, in in doing so, I consider it part of the effort to aggregate people who realize something isn't right. They've they've they've, you know to steal a line from the Matrix. They feel that splinter in their mind.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? right and and all all we can do is do i say build families build networks and get to the get to the other end of this process that they've initiated yeah that's that's that, you know you're not picking up a gun and um going and fighting them it's not possible yeah. right yeah. and right. i don't know i i, I sort of take the view that y- you have to live among them but not be of them. Right? Right. And you know. Fun well, you fun. realize that
2: if you try to approach someone and say, hey, it's a bloodlines and committee of three really mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. all these different groups I mentioned before, they always oh, just a conspiracy theories mm-hmm. they'll mm-hmm. whacked out and not don't listen to them and mm-hmm. they turn you off. So uh, mm-hmm. until you get past that barrier where People start realizing that there are these superpowers controlling governments worldwide. Uh, I mean, the very fact that all the countries in the world have remained silent on 9 11, I mean, you had Mohammed Mahathir in, in Malaysia come out and talk about it, or Ahmed or however you pronounce his name in Iran. And uh, when he was speaking before the United Nations, they got him walked out on them, a lot of people. So you've got this uh, global. Yeah,
1: exactly. Look, um, it it, it wouldn't surprise me now that you're going to see push, another push to um, spread the war to Iran. And that would be that would be driven by Israel. We've seen a little glimpse of that in the last month with uh, radioactive material that supposedly came from Iran to Pakistan via Oman and then landing in Heathrow right and yeah. um for sure they they're gearing up for that next stage of the conflict right yeah yeah and um i don't i don't think we can stop it but we don't have to be part of it Who are you talk yeah. about individuals or yeah just nations? In, in, individuals right yeah um you know if they if they instantiate a draft
2: um no uh, no i think then then you'd have a revolt maybe I mean, I, I went through the draft process in the vietnam war as a matter of fact they mm. had a lottery drawing they pulled birth dates out of an urn mm. and if yours was first you're going if you're at number 365 you weren't going and i pulled number two in the lo- first lottery drawing uh, and then lost <laughs> Lost my deferment which is why
1: i said anchors away and went in the navy <laughs> because, uh... Uh, how macabre that they would uh, pull it from an urn <laughs> yeah what's up that? yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's just dark um yeah. look man and, and again um there, there are there is just war right I, yeah. There there is but what we're seeing right now this these aren't just wars being being initiated by um again what like let's say this west and i i don't think they're that that unified i think there's a lot of competing groups and and goals and aims within within these different uh, within these transnationals okay yeah. that permeate down into countries deep state apparatus um and you know we've just got to uh, be, be calm walk through and you know part of that is like i say building these networks yeah. um you know it's been a honor to be able to, to to speak to someone like yourself with the experience oh you
2: you too uh the feeling is mutual there uh yeah. kevin you're very not eligible and uh, you remember back when we were talking about nine eleven? <laughs> I'm only kidding. because uh, we did cover a broad range of topics here, but it was very interesting talking to you. But that's
1: they're all linked. Right? That's that's the that's the issue here. And you know, I'm you know, all, all you can do is keep discussing it. Hope that all people right. can join in the conversation. Right. And... Just on
2: this uninterruptible autopilot, I'm going to be very interested to see what kind of a response I get from a room full of pilots that uh, I want to see how many of them have ever heard of it before.
1: Mm. I mean, it, it makes sense that there would be thing, you know, technology like that. I mean... We're... Well,
2: the very fact that they ac- accurately hit all three buildings on their first attempt with pinpoint accuracy. Military cruise mill—well, military. actually, the navigation systems on today's modern commercial jet aircraft are is derived is from cruise missile technology, so they would be that accurate. And for the people, the subhumans that planned 9/11, it was absolutely essential that all three buildings get struck. Because mm-hmm. they wanted to take down the twin towers because they were loaded with asbestos, anyhow. Mm-hmm. And the Pentagon, I read this, okay? Had the buildings, the twin towers, been the only two buildings to have collapsed, they would have had to classify it as a terrorist act. Whereas when they hit the Pentagon, they declared it was an act of war mm-hmm. and justified their invasion of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So they had to hit the Pentagon. And for this building, 70 foot tall, mm-hmm. to come in at ground level the way it did, if that's what happened Mm. uh it all all makes sense to me that they did why they did what they did with the technology they used because they even with pilots they couldn't rely on this on them flying these airplanes even if they got everything hooked up automatically uh they wouldn't have been able to accomplish like the pentagon maneuvers
1: so Mm -hmm. yeah and um you know we're in we're in the age of automated drones that um are able to fly you know with pinpoint accuracy right and um you know of course it it's not a stretch of the imagination to me to think that you know the the precursor of that technology in the 90s was already around
2: well I'll give you an example uh if you look up the predator and global whatever they yeah, I can't global think Hawk, of it too- yeah global hawk yeah uh i think that they were developed some or they released them put them out around 284 right mm-hmm. in during the height of the iraq war right which would say okay the technology wasn't there on 9 11 but if you go in that 66 page article i, I found uh it's, if you google dark star airplane uh a uh you're gonna do it now? Yeah. Yeah, if you Google Dark Star airplane, a Wikipedia article pops up, and there was this drone that made its maiden flight in 1996, five years before 9-11, and it did everything that Global Hawk and the Predator drone did. It could take off, fly to its target, come back, and they could alter its head, its core speed and altitude. So what was it called?
1: D- D- Dark Star? Dark Star.
2: One word, Dark Star.
1: Lockheed. I don't, yeah,
2: I think it is, yeah. Do I mean,
1: I yeah, you have a Wikipedia see it, right. article there? The R- yeah. RQ3 R- Dark Star. Right. Yeah, is- if
2: you go down, about halfway down the article, or maybe even a third, it talks about it. In uh, 1996, it first half They first launched this thing. And the only reason they didn't continue with it, because, not because the system didn't work, the airplane itself was unstable aerodynamically, so they took it out of service.
1: Right, it's, it doesn't have tail or. Um...
2: Right, but you look at the uh, second paragraph there. The first prototype made its first flight March 29,
1: 1996. So. Yeah. And look, you can. The, the computing in, and I, I'm no expert, but you can look at the, what's it called? The B2 stealth, right? Yeah. Um, For sure, that was prototyped in the 90s. Right. For sure, right? And that, that flies, you know, that's all fly-by-wire and um, right. the the ability was, was there I, for, for sure. Um, and <laughs> that the amusing thing is, is that, uh, Iran in the Muslim world seems to have become a bit of a, a specialist in these, in these drones, right. That, that we're seeing them being used yeah. in, in a real world combat situation.
0: Right. Right.
1: And you know, yeah, if the Iranians can do it. Um, pretty sure Lockheed uh, could in the
2: exactly. Well, if you start speculating, if, if you look at the development of the drone in that article that I was talking about, okay, uh, you have to imagine it wasn't just Boeing, Honeywell that developed it. You had the Air Force, NASA, the military, Raytheon. I had a woman come to me on Twitter and she went she gave me her name and she said she had all this information because she worked for race to prove that the uninterrupted autopilot was developed prior to nine eleven. Mm-hmm. and uh, she chickened out on me she was going to hand over this data and she said her life had been threatened so she chickened out on me and i recently contacted her and said hey we could really use you right now uh, but uh, she doesn't even respond to emails anymore.
0: Mm.
2: Kevin, if you go back to the articles, maybe we already popped this up. So go, to, go to MH370 down toward the bottom. We're trying to get there. Well, oh, it's got a real tiny download, okay? That's the evidence of hijacking Malaysian Air 370, okay. Mm. That's the article. 66 pages long that goes into a lot of detail about how this stuff was developed. Mm. Yeah, people, people that are forgotten are not familiar with Malaysia 370. It took off out of Kuala Lumpur heading towards Beijing, then made a couple of very erratic turns, its uh, radios were shut down, the transponder was shut off. And it disappeared out over the Indian Ocean. Okay, mm. and my friend Captain Phil McConnell, who first told me about this system in 19, I mean 2007, was given a first-class round-trip ticket to Kuala Lumpur to describe this system in detail, how it works, so that mm. yeah, they would know. And when this, uh, I don't know if you noticed that this uh, China Eastern 5735 several months ago took a nosedive. Straight down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from 29,000 feet in two minutes. So,
1: yeah,
2: uh, I sent, I I got a hold of uh, China's FAA and China Eastern's address and Xi Jinping, <laughs> and sent them a copy of this thing. Each of them on a flash drive, saying, "Hey, do you guys even know this exists?" And I'm sure they do, mm-hmm. but uh, I wound up with two. I won't. I won't go into how I did, but I, I'll call them Chinese operatives that were going to pay my way over to Beijing to talk to people about this. But they have still got a two-week quarantine for because of COVID, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go over and sit in a hotel for two weeks. But, no, uh... no. You
1: you stay put where you are at the moment. My my advice to people yeah. in the current environment is uh, um, mitigate uh, exposures right now. Um, yeah. um Just if you're if you're good where you are uh yeah uh stay as well, good, good as i
2: can be given what i'm saying in the environment i'm operating here mm. it only costs about 50 bucks to get somebody killed over here and uh, this place is swarming with cia raw and uh mm. uh kate no mi6 etc so if they if they got tired of dan hanley and wanted to knock me off it'd be a cheap thing to do
1: if uh, uh, look if. I'm I'm of the opinion if you're not um fermenting uh how should we say jihad, right? <laughs> and yeah. um if 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 what we're doing is just um well talk talking about adaptation to this system and yeah. and maintaining sovereignty through non compliance and yeah. if if you're not gaming their system and making ridiculous amounts of uh money et cetera and you're just keeping um focused on on the the important things the spiritual things the 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 family wealth of family right. um and you know families coming together and uh, uh um supporting mutual support it's very difficult for them to uh to f- filter it through a system to say drone strike uh, that dude okay right and you know you all, all you're doing is talking about technology
2: Right. That's it. Yeah, but it blows the holy hell out of the 9/11 official
1: narrative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you <laughs> know, we've, we've. I mean,
2: s- that's, that's a triviality. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen
1: they don't. We've seen they don't care, right? They yeah, they carry yeah. on regardless, and right. um, you know the. Yeah, like my advice to people is try try to get to a stabilized position, no debt. So they can break you that way, because that's that's right. how they've got 99% right. of, of the people. Right? That they're too they're too afraid to move uh, or, or, or to make a move that would f- threaten that existence that they're hooked into. Yeah. And... Well, I had something recently
2: happen, very recently. All of a sudden, I couldn't do online banking. So I got a hold of my U.S. bank and said, "What gives?" and they said Let, we'll check on and came back to me and said yeah the bank has decided and it's a pretty good brand good-sized branch at synovus in the southeast mm-hmm. and he says they have decided they're going to uh, not allow online banking to people living in pakistan i thought well how many americans that bank with synovus live in pakistan so i started researching it mm-hmm. and there's something called a gray list because uh they want to limit pe- countries that might be dealing
0: in money laundering La, ah, terrorist finance. Ho gaya, salo. <laughs> You had enough?
1: Sorry, that's that's just uh, an alert on my uh, PC. Someone someone oh. sent me a donation, so thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, the- anyhow...
2: I thought, are they targeting me? Or are they trying to limit because I have to transfer money over every month? But uh, that might just be paranoia creeping in on my
1: part. Oh no, no, no! The debanking is a critical part of their um, yeah. their tactics. I've been okay. debanked and okay. stopped, stopped from being able to use um, banking services. Um, yeah. they're, they're very, uh, they're very aggressive on that front. Okay. Um, so it isn't my imagination. It no. isn't my paranoia. Okay. No, and and yeah. any anything that involves um this this digital domain. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. It, that's all. It's all contract. It's all um. How would you say? It, it it's the corporate world. Right. Right, and they they do what they want in there because you know if you want yeah. to get into all the admiralty law and uh about you know what it what is sovereign to you and what you're what you're agreeing to undertake when you sign contracts with these organizations um it's, it's, you it, you have to be or it that's the risk all the time and, and like i say the the issues that you have with banking if you've got a hundred thousand dollars of debt with your credit card and your car and then you've got a mortgage um a a debanking move will scare the shit out of most people
2: yeah yeah (laughs) that's the other thing they do i got audited by the IRS on a clear blue several years ago they mm. said I owed him fifty thousand dollars, I tried to find it in loss, so I've been paying that off. I've almost got it paid off. But uh, I have heard that's the other tactic they use. They come looking for problems with your internal
1: revenue. Yeah. 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 Um, um you know, the render unto Caesar. what Caesars? Yeah. Right? That's right. That that's that's how you have to look at it. Um, yeah. Um, you know, pe- people that are listening. Uh, you know, I I'm able to do this because people, like you say, you you heard that donation <laughs> go through, and I I live on um, small ten twenty dollar donations from, yeah. and and you know I try to make it that that's enough. Yeah. Right. I, I don't want to be in in debt and do you see that
2: donate button on our website up there
1: uh i do um
2: i was i wasn't going to put it i didn't want to put it on the guys that were developing the website says you gotta go i don't want to come across like a money-grubbing uh individual trying to capitalize on 9-11 they go no no you got to put it up but it's only collected 1500 dollars over three years so uh uh, (laughs) folks support dan (laughs) <laughs> that's, that, that's
1: what i'd say you, you need to, you need to um well what i have found is you have to I, I get support because i do this most days right yeah. and, wow. uh, and you know i told you uh, prior to streaming um i don't do like an hour of superficial conversation yeah right if i'm gonna do a topic i want to get in and Drill yeah, down to keep the bedrock. you going deep, uh, <laughs> and, and people appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but, because look, what, what's the other alternative? What the mainstream is put is shoving down your throat.
0: Right. Right.
1: <laughs> it's, there are people out there who uh, who realise that. Um, yeah, if they're watching that, or, or people that use that as their primary information feeds are, are right. drones if you like um that they're, they're part of the system and
2: well i uh don't speak Urdu. i can't understand it that's embarrassing because i've been over 13 years but, oh it's the same uh, for me
1: with japanese Ugh. oh okay
2: well, <laughs> anyhow the only two stations we get over here is cnn and bbc and i wouldn't dare watch either one of them so nice no. All my news comes off the internet after research, and even that I cross-check uh, to make sure what I'm reading is accurate.
1: Yeah, and you you have to you have to have conversations with other people in in the same right. space. Um, right. All, all people can't be all things, right? I I can't. Uh, I'm I'm very reliant on a handful of people who I say I'm I can trust. I've got right, high trust too. in what they what they're saying and what their analysis is.
0: Right. Me too.
1: And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, that's the way to survive going forward. Now, we're, we're in a situation where potentially they could switch off the internet, right? Right, right. And that may be the next big thing that they do. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, because look, we've, we've, uh, the uh the four horsemen are rampaging and we've got war they've got pestilence um and i think uh famine is coming right yeah but i i it's not it's not the it's not the star view of bread that's coming i i think what's coming is the withdrawal of the um, technologies and products that we've become used to through long supply chains and yeah. that, that will mean things like medicines and uh, uh, and you know the technology to be able to do this and the internet
2: yeah that would be hard hmm? that's the only uh, cross talk we have excuse <laughs> me so
1: but, you know, that that's why I'm sort of, you know, pursue the legal angle, right? right. You, you do it because it leaves a fingerprint and other people will be perhaps motivated to do it or to become whistleblowers, right et cetera. So th- that needs to be done. And the other part is survive, but you don't. You don't want. You don't want to be seen to be um, again, sort of plotting whatever truck bombs or you know the right. the, the the stupid stuff that they they want that they yeah. want it and they they want nothing more than to kick your door in, come in. Twelve of them in all their gimp suits and flashbangs yeah. and you know, <clears throat> don't give it to them
2: well it was interesting the first time my well, it was the first time in a long while my wife and I were planning a trip back to the states and the very day I made reservations to to go to Doha to Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, I get a call from my sister and said my ex-wife had called her and said the FBI came out to her house in Washington, D.C., and wanted to know everything about my trip. I go, what the hell? How'd they know I was coming, right? So I called the FBI in Washington, and they were real close, tight-lipped. They go, how'd you find this out? And I go, my sister told me, right? And they wouldn't tell me anything. So I said to my wife, watch says something's going to happen when we get to the States. And sure enough, we're in the customs hall, and a man and a woman come walking over. They were FBI agents, right? One of them was, the other one was TSA. And they asked me if I had mo- um, a little while to talk, and I said, sure, I was expecting you. So they took us over to a uh, customs officer that didn't have a line. They said, here, stamped their passports. And when the customs guy got in the computer, he looked up at the FBI and go, goes, hey, you know, this guy's red, don't you? And he goes, yeah, we know. And I didn't know what red meant, but I didn't think it was anything good. But it does sound good. <laughs> No, they get <laughs> me a room. They knew everything about me. They knew what my Facebook groups. They knew what I posted on Facebook. And I said, "Look, I'm I'm opposed to U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East and uh, South Asian and I'm very vocal on mm-hmm. on uh, Facebook and Twitter." Which is no, your right. Remember. You're right. What's that? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, they know they know everything you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And like i say this is well my i don't know if i'm right but i just i i, I think this is the, the the optimal way to ensure progression lineage progression get children through teach teach children about this system about the slave system
0: right
1: right that that's well, that's all we can do i mean you know i'm not a eloquent author like orwell or uh, huxley <laughs> you know that can yeah. sketch out the, the the direction that we're going but i can i can hold a conversation like this yeah uh, um you know we, we we well you're a good conversationalist
2: and very knowledgeable and intelligent and i Glad I get to
1: talk to you, Kevin. Well, uh, likewise for you, it was uh, a pleasure. I, we, it's 6 a.m., I should probably... Uh, yeah, what time uh,
2: is it? Holy cow, we've been
1: on for <laughs> <laughs> It was a long one, but, uh, you know, we can uh, explore more. Um, if you've got other people who uh, you think would be interested in talking, I'd, I'd be happy to. It sounds like you know a lot of people
2: um you know, yeah like you i've met a lot of people along the way just doing what i'm doing so mm-hmm. i've got uh friends in virtual world all around the world so uh mm-hmm. you know from japan where you're at to sweden to a, an american living in crimea mm-hmm. to a guy in alabama so i've got a broad cross-section of people in various locations that are keeping with. they're my sounding boards because my wife knows what I'm doing, knows what I'm saying, mm. but does, doesn't have much of an opinion on, on any of it. No. Mm. So I, I use these these guys to talk to and get their opinion on things because they're very knowledgeable and well-read on all we've talked about tonight. So uh, mm. I think you and I are on the right track, Kevin. I,
1: I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, um, And yeah. like I say, the focus on explaining technical details people have to understand the mechanisms of the weapons that are being used right, right. We, it has to be demystified some somehow right. And, right and what you're doing is is critical right um and you know i've in the nine eleven space i i've Heard about you? I've seen you talk before. You, you've done very eloquent discussions about the um, the well, thank you the, the, the flight dynamics just to hit the Pentagon. Yeah, um, yeah. You know it's and this
2: you know the fact about Eddie Schleev and the three instructors is uh was relatively new to me, and uh, I threw it in the FAA's face and the FBI, and that's what we're doing right now: saying you lied to us
1: and it's a
2: critical
1: lie. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, keep keep uh keep doing what you're doing. Keep, keep on keeping on.
2: You too, Ken. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: All right, I will uh let you go. I hope to uh, uh you've got my Skype now and um Yeah, I do. Yeah. If you use if you're using a Zoom app, I I will I'll try and invite you. Yeah, see if I can do that right now. Actually, do you have the Zoom app? As a no, no, I no. don't. Oh, okay, um, i on the laptop
0: and uh...
1: I, I don't know. Oh, I find no. I find it just better quality than Skype. Yeah. Um. But uh. Well, I, I'll I'll be in touch. Don't don't worry. And um, okay and. Uh i was just gonna I'll say get in touch
2: with you on skype if i got somebody else that's interested uh mm-hmm. there's a a friend of mine i can't name where he is he was terminated at ups because he refused to go through a psychological screaming they fired him for insubordination okay mm-hmm. and he spent five hundred thousand dollars on legal fees trying to win this thing the last eight years and uh he might be interested in talking to you because he's all about dark money and uh what really controls the u.s political scene
1: yeah I'm happy to get happy to get the data and um, yeah you know if it's a way of getting information out to um different audience then uh
2: well i there's a lot of things when i first met him that he wasn't aware of like APAC and uh, mm. ADL, and he didn't realize the influence, but I've kind of destroyed it.
1: Yeah, and and, and look, <laughs> man, it's, it's, uh, America's battle is is to address these um, I don't know, like these influencer groups, right? Yeah, and you know, ADL is the poster child, obviously, but there's there's many many others. Um, yeah, and. You know, there's. I don't know. Rip that out at the roots; you'd probably solve a lot of problems. All, all yeah. the. Uh, what do you call them? Oh, I'm, I'm struggling to find the word. The the people that sort of hook on to politicians and are sort of giving them money, and you know the oh, pharmaceuticals right. do it. All, all all of them, sort of trying to buy influence, right? And, exactly. And it's that that needs to stop, but it's it's late, and I can't think of the <laughs> word I'm looking for. Well, thanks for having me
2: on, Kevin. It was a pleasure talking to you. You're very smart. I you know a lot of things, and uh, it was great hearing what you had to say. Uh,
1: yes, so. uh, uh, likewise, and I, I I feel we we just touch the subjects. There's there's plenty to dig down into there, and uh, I, I'm going right. to read the articles and. um, try and uh get up a little bit more to speed on that because it, it is fascinating yeah. and
2: yeah if you get if you're ever bored someday try to read the whole si- website and watch the videos there it's not that long a read mm. and the videos aren't that long but uh it'll bring you up to speed what we're all about
1: i mean do you i think i asked you this earlier but um the architects and engineers for 9-11 do you uh liaise with them at all
2: i don't liaise directly but i'm about to oh, okay. okay are you familiar with richard gage yes yes well he's a i don't yeah he's a friend of mine i know him i've been on his program before too okay. he really got ripped off he develops the grassroots effort that attracted 3600 architects and they let him go and uh, mm-hmm. i think he's really miffed about that but he's over with the lawyers committee right now in some capacity and he's really very vocal about the issues that he talked about mm. that architects and engineers so yeah
1: I'd I mean like I, I'd sure. love to, I'd love to talk to him I re- I, I really oh, I've, got,
2: I've got his contact information I can put you in touch with it
1: oh please please do that, that I'll works. tell you what Charlie I don't
2: have your email address right uh so,
1: I, I sent you an email today with uh, the zoom link so you do have oh, okay
2: I can get it off that I'll, yeah I'll, I'll click contact I mean I'll have you
1: email introduced that way. Perfect. That would be great. Yeah. Okay. Then <laughs> you have a pleasant uh, rest of the evening. <laughs> I've got to get okay, the kids ready for again, school. Uh, Kevin. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> Thank you very much. You take care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, folks. That was cool. um Yeah just that uh, I, I i couldn't keep an eye on the chat at all so um I'd, i'm not even sure how that was sort of perceived so uh let's let's shoot back a little bit here uh da, 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 da. let's see ayahuasca man uh good to see you uh see I was trying to trying to pick something up here Rasmussen had it 71% jabbed 26% unjabbed yeah that that number makes it right for me and look look man if we can get that 26% through and uh I don't know it's about community building and um kids have kids yeah, families <laughs> Uh, let's see. A lot of stuff about COVID. Um, Sven in the chat says the whole Ollie Northgate and Danny Casalara docs on ADL speaks volumes. I'm unfamiliar with that. Kev, ask Hanley what he thinks a draft would look like in the USA. Um, I can't ask him now, but um i think i'm i'm kind of of the opinion that modern modern military systems are so complex that drafting wouldn't work i guess a, a civil draft maybe might be more appropriate See, says. Luckily I dropped out of college when I did Plus the timing when I found Kev and other guys Like JC, Kevin McKernan, Jiki If I was in school there's no way I would have discovered These people Oh and Mark, yes of course Who's uh, tonic uh, Let's see The Amiga 500 F117 Simulator was used as a training tool At USFF was it <laughs> God bless Amiga uh let's see bollins missile ship posting have been addressed by dawson now bollin is silent like an ostrich i don't know um ryan's uh subject matter expert on nine eleven. um he's uh I, I like talking to him about it let's see Uh, da, 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 da. it's been encouragement to see some of our youth staying informed and steadfast kudos i agree uh airplane deniers and virus deniers in the same category yeah and they're, they're a psychological operation designed to muddy the waters they don't want you understanding the technology Uh, let's see, MI6 runs Norwegian BCC, they sit on every program, Uh, that I have no doubt, Uh, let's see, I'm trying, I'm tired, it's difficult for me to um, pick this stuff out, let me just thank whoever was uh, um, sending, I want to say thank you to Sally, and uh, big heart to Karma, Much, much appreciated. You have no idea how much uh, those donos help. Um, Things are very, very tight at the moment. Um, I was speaking with uh, Rimo today about uh, rodent experiments. And her sort of schedule is... Well, it would be February to do something, but we're thinking about it and looking to do it. So I was uh, looking at cages, and um, because I can't get cages, and um, but that's that's kind of moving. So there's some progress there. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) somehow Taliban and Karachi were never debanked Uh, they've got Islamic banking sir someone needs to turn this information into digestible content by penetrating TikTok YouTube algorithms think about what Andrew Tate did funnily enough my generation is depressed angry and confused they need a purpose but someone has to give them the talking points uh, yeah, look, I wish I wish I had the energy to put them into flashy one minute videos that sort of drop truth bombs. I really I really do. But I just I think the simple fact is the format that I do.